Greetings, everyone, and welcome to Game Face, episode 366 on Sifted Games at Sifted.net. I'm Shane Satterfield, your host and founder of Sifted. I'm going to talk about some awesome video game stuff for the next couple hours. And alongside me to do that is Matthew Kyle. What's up, Matt? How's the week been? Anything exciting happened this week? No. Kind of cold now. Yeah. It was free. It's like freezing. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, I've had, we've had to run the air conditioner for a while, the, like the last week or whatever. And then last night, I think I woke up this morning, our apartment was like 70 degrees or 69 degrees or something. Like, I know you guys are like, oh, poor Shane and Matt, but it's mm. weird. Like usually we're having our Indian summer right now. And it's, sometimes like in November, it's like really hot. Yeah. Well, usually that's October. Yeah, um, we had a, it was a mild warm. October. It was fairly warm in October. It's still warmer outside than it is in this house for some reason. Yeah, your house is always cool. Yeah. It seems like. But like, this is big. Yeah. But uh, insulation's good, but it doesn't... It's better at keeping it cool than warming it up. Well... Like it's, it's, it's nice and cool in the, in the summer, but it's real cold in the winter if there's no sun. Well, the funny part is if you live in California, you hardly ever use your heat. So mm. when you do turn it on... It smells like your house is burning down because like it hasn't been used mm. for months and it's like burning off all the dust and like when well, mine like the heat on in this house for some reason there's two separate heaters there's an upstairs and a downstairs and for some reason they put the exhaust for the heat downstairs on the side of the house pointing directly at the neighbor uh-huh. and it's this little plastic pipe that just makes this horrible screeching <laughs> steam sound <laughs> that basically penetrates her, the neighbor's house and like just you can hear it everywhere and so as so I, I run i run the heat in the winter she's like oh my god how much longer is this gonna I'm like it's 60 degrees in here it's gonna warm up a little bit i'm the cat yeah. is shivering i'm going i'm going to run the heat for a while that's funny so um well it has been kind of a calm week for games not a huge uh, week of releases some no some big some, stuff some we're gonna talk about today. stuff but it's they're they're more low-key yeah than anything else yeah next week's show actually a couple of big ones we're gonna have super mario rpg which comes out very soon and then after next week's show it gets a little more difficult like mm. the first week of december there's a couple big games we'll have a good show there and then the second week of december i guess we just should say right now by the way that there's only four or five episodes left of game face in 2023 mm-hmm. um, and one of those will be our game of the year kind of end of year wrap-up episodes so we really only have about four normal episodes of game face left again the year has just whipped on by um again I've, the older i get the faster time goes i can't believe we're about ready to break for the holidays so hope you guys have had a great week um even though there weren't a ton of big games released this week there are still tons of games for you to play because there have been so many good ones coming out over the last like six weeks or whatever um there are some games i'm like man right on the fringe of finishing that i want to go back but i just can't uh, there's always something new coming out every week that we need to cover to make sure that we are informing you guys as much as possible about what games you should buy or not buy um yeah, pretty chill week for me too. Just mostly work. Um, uh, note for you sifters. Um, also, there's probably only going to be four more episodes of Game Face sort of in this configuration. Um, we'll still be here, but we're going to switch things up a little bit with how the set looks and how we're going to shoot things for 2024. Um, we may actually rejigger and kind of go back to some of the ideas we had for uh, Sifted 2.0 where Game Face becomes more of like an hour-long show, and then Matt and I do like deep dives um, that are a little better produced. And um, when we do it live, it's like, I have to prepare a chunk of B-roll, and that runs while Matt and I talk over it. But 
kind of one of the concepts for Sifted 2.0 and Game Face 2.0 was do a Game Face. It's just kind of topical. And if we do talk about specific games, talk about them for five or 10 minutes, and then do the deep dives where we dive really deep. And then we can produce those a lot better with footage that actually speaks to what we're talking about instead of just having general footage kind of rolling underneath. Although I will say, Matt, sometimes the B-roll jogs our memories when we're talking about games yeah. and takes us off and it's like, to talk about things about about a game that we want to talk about that maybe we would have, would have forgot. So mm -hmm. there's some advantages to doing it both ways. Um, look, now's the time for you guys, if you're big fans of Game Face and big fans of Sifted, to start maybe recommending some things that you would like to see changed in the show or altered in the show. Because um, we're going to have like these last four shows. And then I have a little bit of a break, kind of, before I go home for the holidays. And that's when I'm going to start like working on, we'll have a new show intro and some stuff like that. So anyway... Change is coming. If you guys want to help guide that change, uh, feel free to leave comments anywhere um, on our YouTube channel. You can leave them at Sifted, wherever. And we'll make sure that we read them all. And we'll take them all into consideration before we make any tweaks or changes to Game Face. But that's all stuff coming up for 2024. Um, yeah, it was really a shame that we had this huge plan set up for Sifted 2.0 and then the <laughs> pandemic hit. And it was just all washed away, mm -hmm. uh, which was really bad timing, unfortunately. But obviously, I'm not complaining too much. Everybody had kind of a stick in their mud over COVID. So uh, just some things to keep in mind. Again, put your comments down below, whether you're on YouTube or whether you're on sifted.net, um, and we'll take all of them into consideration. Um, I think that's all of the chit chat before we kick off the show proper. We do have a lot of housekeeping today, and we have, again, four game reviews on today's episode. So four different games we're gonna tackle today in depth on Game Face 366. Before we do that, it's time for some housekeeping. And our first topic for housekeeping this week is something that I thought maybe we might have a huge topic for today's show, but as it turns out, it did not deliver. And that is, Matt, we are right on the cusp of getting the first information and first trailer for Grand Theft Auto 6. Um, I honestly thought that like they were going to make an announcement before today's episode, and then the trailer is supposed to come in December. They haven't said exactly when, although... All signs seem to be pointing to the biggest reveal in the history of the Game Awards. You think that's what's happening? No. No? I think they'll put the trailer out on their own. Yeah? yeah. Do you think they'll do it, like, around the same date as, like... I think they'll do it whenever the hell they want to do yeah. it. Yeah. Because Rockstar is definitely the 800-pound gorilla that does not care what you want. Yeah, I mean, they look, they don't need... <laughs> Either the players or Jeff Keighley. does not matter. I agree. They don't need it. But if you look at whether you believe the numbers that Jeff puts out after every show or not... Those numbers are hard to ignore. They are pretty easy to ignore if you're Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> I mean, you're right. If there's one product that is immune to anything like that, it's GTA 6. Yes, and Rockstar has, you know, does still have that attitude of we don't need anybody. Mm -hmm. So I would be very surprised if it ended up on that. Certainly, if it ended up premiering on that, maybe it might. They might run it again on it on it you know? like, but if there's one thing that i would expect to not have a world premiere uh, in front of it it would be the gta 6 trailer because we'll have already seen it i think it's 50 50 on whether it debuts during the game awards or not because to me it would just be so mean for rockstar to put that out like a day before yeah, have, or have a day after rockstar? Uh, look i have dealt with rockstar the inner workings of rockstar on several occasions and they are not about being nice guys nope that's not what they do. That's not what rock stars are. You're right. But, man, that is pretty dastardly. Because, look, don't forget that Red Dead Redemption 2 won Game of the Year, and mm. they were all there for that. And they all rolled into Jeff's big event and stood up on his stage. And 
I don't know. I, again, I think it's yeah, like 50-50. Yeah, but are we, are we recognizing excellence or are we making transactions? Yeah. Well, right. <laughs> but We're I making still... transactions, to be <laughs> clear. We are making tra- I just don't think Rockstar is beholden to any of that. Like, yeah, I don't either. Um, it would be a bad look, I think, if they didn't work with Jeff and they put it... Look, if they wait till like December 18th... I think or... at best you're going to have like... You're gonna, they're going to put the trailer out themselves, and maybe somebody will show up at the Game Awards, and they'll show the trailer again, and they'll maybe an extended one for the Game Awards. No, they'll they'll have someone on, maybe one of the people on stage, and they'll say something about the game. Yeah, that we don't know yet, or that, like that, some, that'd be cool still. Something they like work that. with him in some way, shape, or form. But you're right; they don't need the Game Awards. But they I, don't need anyone. But I will be surprised if even that happens. Like they don't they don't need it. Take Two does not give a shit. Uh, does not none none of it matters. Well, I mean, look, Matt. It's the lead story on this episode of Game Face, and all Rockstar yeah. had to do was put up a little dinky blog post. It's the biggest video game of all time. Yeah. There's none bigger. That, that, it's the best. It doesn't... You can do whatever the hell you want. Yeah. There is no wrong answer here. That was yeah. true. Um, well, any... the wrong answer would be to make a bad game, but like, they, <laughs> you know, who knows? I mean, the wrong answer would be to make it all online. Right? There's, there are wrong answers in terms yeah. of creative choice, but in terms of promoting the thing, there's no or getting thing hyped. as a bad yeah. idea. Um. Any so here's the thing. So Rockstar says that they're going to put out an update first, mm. and then they're going to put out the trailer. What kind of information do you anticipate we'll get in that sort of update that Rockstar? Almost is nothing. Us? Yeah, like setting the character names we already know. Um, maybe a window release, release window. window. Q1. I would be surprised if they do that though. <laughs> um, that's about it. Some, yeah. something like that. Maybe a maybe a, a platform music artist attached. They'll have trailer music in it or something. Yeah. Um, platforms probably. Yeah. Well, I mean, certainly you'll say it's exclusively the new the new platforms and PC. Do you think so? You think it won't come out for a PS4 and Xbox One? Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, 100%. I, I agree with you. I don't think it will either, but. It is Rockstar in Take Two, and Take Two. If one thing it does, it hangs on to that last generation as long as it can. Yeah, it's they di- didn't do that with with GTA Five, though. Yeah, did they? No, there was no there was no 360 version. Was there a 360 version? Yeah, of that? there was. But that was the end of that generation, right? Yeah. So then they re-released it twice. Yeah. Hmm. Take Two. I mean, you got to look at you're going to be NBA 2K. It's still on. You're going to be gen. half a decade into the current generation. There's no reason to release a PS4 version. I agree with you, but. I don't, from what we saw of that leak, I don't think it would work. It would run. I would also, you're right. I would also say that after what happened with Cyberpunk 2077, that yeah. that CD Projekt Red learned Rock's, a really hard lesson for a lot of other Rockstar's developers. Rockstar's not going to sit there and try to make this thing run on the on the Series S. Like, give me yeah. a break. Yeah, I don't think so either. Yep. So, what you think we'll get something this week? As far as that little update that they're promising, mm, I don't know. Yeah, there's no. I, can, I don't. I don't try to fathom the workings of 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 rockstar i do think i don't think rockstar will wait till like december 18th or whatever i think no, it they're will. talking about it now you're talking about in the next couple of weeks i think it will be around that game awards window which is also coming up real quick here too so yeah i, I think they'll be ahead of that you think they'll come out before probably hmm interesting well regardless it looks like we're gonna have some new inf- actually really the first legitimate information about grand theft auto 6 very very soon mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully the new trailer here within the next week or two. And it does and- seem to be Miami. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Judging by that logo. Yeah, it does. So, um, yeah, lots to be excited about as we close out 2023. Game Awards coming up. Our Game of the Year Awards coming up. Finally, the unveiling of Grand Theft Auto 6. We got Avatar coming out in early December. December is actually going to be a decent month for once. Yeah. For the two weeks that we're here before we head out for the holidays. So, 
Anyway, big, big news coming about Grand Theft Auto 6 in the very near future. Uh, next story for housekeeping is <laughs> we learned this week that half of PlayStation's 12 games as a service have been delayed to 2026 or later. Matt, I know this doesn't surprise either one of us because when they told us that they were going to have 10 out by like the first quarter of 2020, what was it? The first quarter of 2025, I think they said at first. We were like, that's insane. That's never going to work. And in fact, it it was insane and it would not work because now they've delayed a lot of them. Do you think this is all just because the games aren't done, or do you think this might have something to do with the market around these types of games right now being getting a lot tougher? Might be a little bit of both. Um, like the game as a service like thing is dead. Uh, the, the the that market is saturated. It feels that way. The market is saturated. Uh, you're already seeing more and more games that were planned to be like a free to play multiplayer thing switching to a you know normal price co op shooter sort of idea. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if that's what happens with Marathon to some degree. Yeah, which is what we're seeing right um, now. Just Bungie's next game as a service. Yeah, it's just supposed to be anyway. It's just the the trend came and went, and nothing's sustaining anymore. the The numbers on Destiny are horrifying. Um, so that's why they, oh, they had like a forty five percent down year over year. It's I mean that's the problem with games as a service, Matt. Is if you have one bad expansion, it could all be over. You gotta stay interesting forever. Forever. And Every just, expansion has to be good. Because if mm-hmm. you drop the ball with one of them, you could lose a huge chunk of your audience that you never get back. Yeah. It's risky. Well, and especially with Destiny. I mean, I've, I've, you know, I've checked out of Destiny 2 long ago. Um, but when I've, the couple times I've gone back, I'm like, I don't even know what I'm looking at anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just too confusing. Like, and now that they've removed so much of the campaign, like they rotated it out or whatever, I'm like, I can't even catch up properly. So... I just don't try Destiny anymore. Matt, when I'm curating and we have new stuff for Destiny that comes into the admin and I have to decide whether to add it to the site or not, I have no idea what any of it means. Like, already they had this crazy nomenclature for, like, weapons and things like that that was hard to remember. But they've carried that aesthetic over into everything, how they name everything. It's like you read it. It is literally like you're reading another language. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what is like if for somebody who like used to play Destiny 2 and played it a lot, that's crazy. Like, how are you supposed to get somebody like me back when I feel so alienated now when I boot up your game? I don't know. It's like it also leans a little weirdly hard into the different characters. I'm like, I don't know who these people are. Right. Like you saw them for five seconds when you ran through the Citadel, the the tower or wherever the wherever they were wherever they were <laughs> yep. and now i'm supposed to be concerned that one of the you know that that uh what's his name nathan fillion's character died or came back right or what, like i don't know <laughs> i hear you um i just feel like they've gone too far into the weeds with destiny 2 and again that's a bungie and destiny they're learning a lot of lessons for these other games and you're right a lot of the lessons are teaching them Maybe we should just dump the whole game as a service, mm-hmm. free to play thing, and just make a game that people pay for. Yeah, I mean, you've still the got, tide like, feels like it's turning. I mean, you do have things where, like, I don't know if you saw that guy who like he used to work at Blizzard. His dad worked at Blizzard too, but he worked on Star Starcraft. He put out a video yesterday, or the day before. He's talking about how like he worked for two years on Starcraft Two: Wings of Liberty, and the first uh, paid horse DLC for World of Warcraft, like the the, the princess pony, the, the sparkle unicorn mm-hmm. DLC, that horse made more money than StarCraft Two Wings of Liberty. 
and he's like, this wow. is the problem. Yeah. You, everyone's like, why is there all these microtransactions? There was a $15 horse. If you don't buy them, because he's they like, go away. He's like, he's like, they, you know, companies do this because dipshits buy all of it. Right. And um, We're the problem, people. It's not the game developers or the game publishers. It's us. It's like, if you can make more money than the revenue from a, a full Expansion. game... <laughs> And because the Wings of Liberty was the initial StarCraft II release, it was huge. Yeah, if you make more money just by putting out a horse that is basically a reskin, someone probably spent a week on mm-hmm. for fifteen bucks. What does that tell the developers? Why would you ever make another StarCraft II again? I mean, it's to their credit, they made two more. Full, yeah, they finished that StarCraft II project. They did two more expansions after that. But like, if you're just like if you're a bean counting bottom line executive like yeah you're gonna look at that and be like why would i want to make another starcraft game when we could just make more horses yep like that's what happens yeah i mean again it's our fault if we don't spend money on this stuff they stop making it Mm -hmm. it's all on us and to be fair uh that does seem to be happening small slowly like death well, destiny yeah certainly there's not enough bandwidth in terms of people willing to spend that money on that model to go around to sustain all that's the thing is all these people are jumping it's like you know it's over the gold rush is over mm-hmm. you're you're panning for gold in an empty river at this yeah. point there's only so many people that want to play a game like that and have the and, and to be whales like that and they're doing other things. And unless you you got to make something that's going to pull people away from that. And I guarantee you, none of the games and services I see coming out of anyone right now are that game. Yeah. One of the recent episodes of Pactor Factor, someone asked him about this very thing. And as Tommy, as Tommy would have it, it worked out perfectly that we published that episode on the day this news came out. It just was total. That was not planned at all, by the way, folks. That's just happened that way. Um, but his contention was, look, like, yeah, they have 10 or 12 games. They only need, like, two of them to hit. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I don't think that Sony thinks all of them are going to hit. No, they're, they're, they're literally throwing spaghetti at the wall. Right, there. waiting to see what sticks. Yeah. And so, you know, we are kind of like, oh, there's probably a bunch of them are going to fail. That's actually baked into their business plan that some of them will fail. They don't need that many because if you do have a hit game as a service, I mean, you can generate a billion, 1.5 billion a year off of that game until you release a bad expansion like we just mentioned. And that's what can send it all crashing down, which is what we're seeing at Bungie with Destiny 2, which is why we just saw a bunch of layoffs at Bungie for Destiny 2. So um, it's a high risk business, the games as a service business, because it also costs a lot of money to develop them. Because the other thing too that we see a lot, Matt, is developers finish a game and literally the next week they lay off like 30 percent of their staff you can't really do that with games as a service it's Mm -hmm. like you finish the game and that's just the beginning then you have to get in the rhythm of like okay how is our team good enough to have this constant turnover of content to keep the to keep feeding the beast to keep the fans happy it's an entirely different Mm -hmm. model that's way more has way more risk you're paying way more in salaries to your employees in perpetuity so I, I think we can see it. We're starting to see a lot of these publishers turn their back on the game as a service. And in all honesty, I feel like that onion's been squeezed dry already. Yep. Like, I'm not seeing new ideas in games as a service anymore, Matt. They're no, just like, I, except for now it's sci-fi, or now it's hard fantasy, and now it's dark fantasy. Like, the setting changes, but, like, the actual mechanics very rarely ever do. And I think that's why you're starting to see yeah. fatigue in the market. And so. you're starting to see, like, just the, the Johnny-come-lately sort of also ran stuff like that uh, that Square game that I can't remember anymore that shut down after like three months. Or, yeah, you know. the third person sci-fi shooter that we neither one. No, of them ever the really other one, the 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 fantasy one where you arrive on a boat 
and uh, have to do the hack and sl- the platinum one. Oh, the platinum's game. Oh, what was that called? Um, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Can't remember it. I don't know. It was terrible. Oh, Babylon's, Babylon's Fall. Fall. Yeah, that's what yeah. it was. Yeah. Um. <laughs> um very fitting. In yeah. That, that name. <laughs> it was. That is kind of a harbinger. That game. I that, think uh, that was, one was of, like, that was a turning point. That was one of the stakes in the ground where people are like, okay, it was like, like people, what are you doing? Yeah. Like it was like. <laughs> Yeah. Just unbelievable. Like, yeah. So anyway. Good money after bad at this point. I guess the, then the X Factor is like, okay, so you're giving your teams more time to make these games. Does that mean that we're not getting single player games now that we kind of need at this Those point? They seem to be pretty separate people. They do. So I, I'm not too Even if, Even if that. though they come from studios that also create single player games, you're right. It feels like they have a team that works on the ongoing stuff and then the team yeah, that works Sony's on Sony's been pretty good about not putting all their eggs in the in the one basket or the other for this one. So yeah. we'll we'll see. I mean, we'll see. We don't really know anything about next year right now. Yeah. What do you think will be the first Sony game as a service to launch? I have no idea. Yeah. It's really kind of up in the air. I don't think air. we even know about most of them. Uh, yeah, you're probably right. I think we know six or seven right mm-hmm. now. So there's like a handful that we still don't even know about. Um, among those, I don't know, it'd probably be maybe fair games. Jade's game? I don't know. I don't know. That. I, I don't know. Because it's not going to be Marathon, I don't think. No, Marathon's a year and a half Yeah, I would think Fair anything. Games would come before that. Maybe? Maybe. We don't even Who knows? Know we don't even know anything <laughs> yeah, about you're that. You're right. We just have a CG trailer so far. And Red, in fact, Red Fox 1980 notes that Foam Stars is coming, people. Oh, right. It's not over yet. <laughs> um, the Legacy says Helldivers 2. Oh, Helldivers 2. But Helldivers yeah. 2 isn't a PlayStation exclusive. It's a console exclusive. Yeah. But it's also on PC. But they're kind of like positioning. They're it acting one, like one it's... Of, their position is one of theirs. They are. In a way. Yeah. Yeah. That'll definitely come first. I don't, come, kind of I don't, don't think count. that's going to hit, though, really. Yeah, we just, you just saw a trailer for that. Does that look all that interesting to you or different? No, and I like the first one, but that just looks way... Oh, it's weird that that looks more generic than the first one, because the first one's like more of a top-down, almost Diablo point of view. Mm-hmm. Like, like twin-stick shooter sort of thing, and I was like, oh, that was more interesting to me than this. this I is, think I might agree with you on that. This just looks like every other shooter. It does. It looks like every other... Third-person shooter, game as a service. I feel like we played that game already. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of funny. So anyway, if any of you were all excited about it, and I don't think you were, that's the thing. I don't think anyone was all excited about Sony working on 12 games as a service. I don't think anybody was dancing around celebrating. Like, <laughs> yeah. So this is actually, I think, good news for some people. Um, but the bottom line is we have to wait a little bit longer to see what Sony has cooking in the kitchen for its games as a service. Like Even the ones they just announced, we really don't have a good idea of what they are. So big mystery there still. Mm-hmm. Uh, all I know is that we could use a lot more first-party exclusives from PlayStation Studios. That's one thing I do know. Um, we only had two this year. Um, that's well, just not enough. Well, luckily for them, it is enough. Oh, they yeah. Because people care. Just, it, really, be, it really is like a snowball. As long as, you, as long as you can play other games on the PlayStation, it doesn't matter how many exclusives there are. Yeah. Do you think, it, do you think that PlayStation owners are just, just enjoy third-party games more? Why think, do PlayStation think, think it's okay to just play the third-party stuff and not get the exclusives where other people are a little just, more... I think most people, especially judging by how much PlayStation outsells the Xbox, most people have that because that's their game console. Yeah. If they play a video game, it's going to be on that PlayStation. Mm-hmm. And they don't draw a distinction between an exclusive... And they're all exclusives to them because they don't have an Xbox. Right. Eh, like, okay. Fair point. Uh, next topic for housekeeping in today's episode... Um, something that we've uh, we've been hinting at for probably about a year here on Game Face actually happened this week, and the Overwatch League has folded. It was this was the beacon on the hill, Matt. 
the Overwatch League was supposed to be the esports league that was going to succeed while all the others failed. It followed the traditional structure of, or the, the structure of traditional sports leagues in America, where each team was tethered to a city. Mm-hmm. They had owners of each individual city and a general manager in each city. Really, it was structured a lot like professional sports in the United States. Um, they with, had with a lot the of exception of the fact that uh, professional sports has a revenue model, right? That's a good point. <laughs> and um, the other thing about the Overwatch League was that there was a lot of celebrities that got looped in and invested in it. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of real professional athletes who invested in Overwatch League. I think it was $20 million to buy the franchise initially to get into the league, if I remember correctly. Um, and the Overwatch League is folding like every other esports league because nobody can make money on them. Um and all they're getting back, the franchises are getting back, is $10 million from Blizzard. So they're getting half of their initial investment back and obviously have not turned a penny of profit since the league launched. Because there's no money in this. There is no money in it. There's no money in it. And I don't know why it took everybody 15 years to figure that out, but it was pretty obvious from the start that there's no revenue for this. There's no money from any facet of esports. No. None. If, even if just covering esports, nobody has still figured out how to cover esports and create an app or a website that is profitable. Because because uh, they go direct. Little, well, because, yeah, because a little hyperbole. No one fucking cares. Well, we don't if, care. Because if anyone cares, they watched it. They watched they it. They keep up with it on their own. Or they go to blizzard.com to, for Overwatch. They don't go to Sifted to learn about they the Overwatch League. They do not care lead. what some other person thinks about the esport they watch yeah they have their own opinions about things which is interesting that makes it different than traditional sports because talking head shows literally that's all sports real sports coverage is anymore part of the part of the thing with that is like keeping track of like you know all these different athletes and the business deals and the trade deals and stuff and that's just not a factor here like Mm -hmm. it's not that important who was who on whatever team outside of a couple major stars yeah um and you're right they have failed to develop stars yeah because it doesn't it doesn't matter like there's a there's a point at which like you know and and it would be another thing also like in the sense of like look hell or high water and referees notwithstanding whatever happens on the football field the game is the game Mm -hmm. the game is pretty much agreed upon to be what it is and everybody's got to play it to their best their physical ability the game in an esport can change overnight mm-hmm. because they decide this is. They can just tweak something about it, and yeah. you're like, you're so you're up against that versus like the the ability of the, the physical ability of a player, which is a is a real thing, but like, it's not really on the level of whether someone can run a hundred yard dash faster than a hundred other guys, is it? Yes, yeah, because the athletes, it feels like they're the constant. Yeah. They perform the and same the, every time. Well, and the other problem is like, and I know this is, obviously there's some people that understand. I understand when I watch a like a Street Fighter match, like how hard it is to do what some of these people are doing. But it's like, if I watch a soccer match, I know how hard it is to run back and forth along a pitch that long. I mean, or I have a how human hard a body. bicycle kick is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have a human body. I know yeah. that it's you not easy to ram into each other at the, the fucking scrimmage line every time. I know that it's hard to hit a three-pointer. Yeah. I know that I could not, you know, the hardest thing in sports is hitting a fastball. Yeah. I know that I have tried to do that, and I am not very good at it. Yeah. The fact that the best people in the world at it are the successful if they do it a third of the time is crazy. <laughs> yeah. But... 
you don't have a frame of reference for how for the achievement that's happening here. Yeah. I mean, beyond like winning the average versus viewer, losing, you mean. Yeah. there's no entry point. The to frame that. of reference really yeah. for it. And even yeah. as someone, you know, like someone and you need to be familiar enough with the game to understand the achievement on on display a lot of times. Like, I don't understand what the hell's happening in a professional StarCraft game. Mm-hmm. Or a I don't either. League of Legends And we know game. a lot of, you're right. Even though like, I've played League of Legends for like hundreds of hours, I still cannot watch League of Legends esports and 100% know what is going on. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. I mean, think about that. Like, I did play other traditional sports growing up. Like, I didn't play them anywhere near as much as I've played League of Legends. Yeah, and I think, again, I've, I've gone on and on about it over the years, but I think one of the reasons that fighting games and Evo is just consistently one of the most successful at being an event for this that breaks a little bit outside of its its core audience is that everything in a fighting game is happening on one screen. Yeah. Like, it's very, the concept the, is very simple. What the fuck simple. is happening here? Right. Why I am don't I know. following this huge dude up there? Exactly. It's like, it's like <laughs> try, imagine trying to watch an NFL game when you could only watch it from the point of view of different players. Right. There's no field view. Right. Yeah. That's what, one thing they struggle with with League of Legends is do they focus on one lane or do mm-hmm. they show the whole map? Like, and you, particularly so in that small game. small at that point. Right. Nothing stands out. Yeah. Like, it's not built to be seen from that yeah. angle. You know? Yeah. It's it's there's i mean and then like when you try to build a game specifically to take advantage or to, to solve those problems the game doesn't become popular yeah. so like i'm interested know, and blizzard in tried to force this by basically being a giant company that threw t- millions upon millions of dollars into this and hoped that it would catch at some point but nope caleb faruqi asks he said or says i agree about esports not making money but the game awards doubled the number of esports awards. Why the incongruity? incongruity? Because the game awards don't know what the fuck they're doing. <laughs> that is really insane. Like, and most, more than likely, those awards were sponsored somehow. The sponsorship one and two. I guarantee Jeff at this point is like, I have tapped out the enthusiast gaming market. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to grow the audience for the game awards, this is where I need to reach. But Which they're not going to show up. They they're won't like, show up at gaming websites no. and they. Well, because they don't play video games. <laughs> right. They play, they play a video game. game. They play one. Yep. Like you have to if you want to be good enough. Yeah. Like the people I knew in the in the fighting game community, like the people that really were seriously fighting, you know, players, like you know, like the people that would compete in the main tournaments, they didn't know anything about video games. Yeah. They they know about the fighting games they play. That's it because they don't have time to do. It. They you know, they don't have time for another hobby that involves video games. They. You know, if they're doing something that's not training in the lab, they're doing something that's not in front of a screen because they can't fucking look at a screen any longer. Like, that's not how, like, no one, I guarantee you, almost no one who was was a top contender at Evo cares who's nominated for Game of the Year at the Game Awards. Yeah. Even less so because Street Fighter's not nominated. Right. So, it's... It's not a, there's no, there's no, that's not the same audience. They, They do the same thing, but it's not the same. It's like saying, like, how come... You know, how come we have this great soccer analysis podcast and nobody who watches, you know, football, you know, football on Sunday wants to wants to watch because they're not watching the same sport. They don't care about soccer Mm -hmm. or vice versa. Like, how come how come people who follow FIFA in Belgium don't want to watch a podcast about American football NFL analysis? Because it's not the same thing. 
Well, someone in chat just from Europe just mentioned uh, Silk Schnee says, I remember on Sky they tried doing eSports e- FIFA tournament during yeah. COVID and nobody watched. They tried to do it on ESPN several times too. With a nobody bunch of different things. Nobody cared. Yeah, they still do sponsor sponsorship stuff like on NFL Network. Mm-hmm. They do the Madden Bowl. On NHL Network, yeah. they do NHL esports. Little but, things that tie in. Yeah, yeah but like, it doesn't. Like, nobody all that watches. Stuff, nothing happened. The closest they ever <laughs> that's got. That's all paid. The closest they ever got was Evo. Yeah, Evo a couple both. I think two years it ran on ESPN two yeah. the finals. Yeah, and the grand finals and it did pretty well. Did did pretty well and it was funny because you had the live chat going on and you had all these sports guys coming and be like, "What the fuck is this? Where's sport? Like, why is this shit on?" And like yeah. ten minutes later, like this is pretty good. Yeah, like, they were like they were converts yeah. in there. It's like this, I get it, I understand because it's a fight. Everybody, yeah, it's easy to fight. understand. Yep, one against mano a mano for sure. Um, People talking about the athlete. I, I called them athletes, and some people took a umbrage yeah. with that. But athletes. I'm just athletes. Um, <laughs> I'm just trying to. Abram that. also makes a good point. Jeff will go through those esports awards in like half a minute. Well, yeah. I mean, they don't even put them in the real show. No. Like a lot of times, they're just in the bumps or they're before in the pre-show. He just lists them all and then introduces the next trailer, like like he does with the best RPG award for some reason, as though anyone people don't care about that. Yeah, I would imagine that might be different this year because Baldur's Gate's going to win it. So people probably care about that more yeah now keep in mind that they are actually working on a new version of an esports league for overwatch it's not going away uh they haven't said when they're going to announce anything but my guess is whatever they do their financial commitment is going to be way less than it was for overwatch league Mm -hmm. um red fox 1980 asks is league of legends dead no it's not although they've had Finance, they're having a little bit of a financial issue lately. Like they, it was just uncovered that they've never turned a profit on League of Legends esports. No. And if you can't turn a profit with League of Legends esports, where you have literally stadiums full of people watching, I mean, that's all you need to know. Mm-hmm. If you can't make money off of that, like, because there's no revenue. Yeah. Where are you making your money? I had somebody. Sports mm-hmm. makes money through televised broadcasts have you know being an advertising opportunity people pay millions of dollars to have 30 seconds on the super bowl and it just goes down from there yeah who's doing that for esports nobody yeah i had somebody reach out to me it's been several years ago now as kind of a consultant on how to make money on esports like at the events like because they're like Mm -hmm. we have all these people here we can't make money like the venues are too expensive to rent and to set up and to pay the track it's just too much we can't turn a profit how do we make money I just told him merch. It's mm-hmm. just, it's, it's what's going on right now with bands. Like since COVID, they're all trying to make their money back right away. And the only way they're doing it, they're not making it on the shows or the tickets. They're still doing it, make, selling merch. Right. But like, it's one thing to have like an obscure band t-shirt. It's another thing to explain to someone what evil geniuses is. Yeah. Like one thing's cool and the other is weird. What the, so the data that they had presented to me was that most esports fans resonate with the individual players mm-hmm. more than the actual game. Oh, and yeah. so they told me that, and I'm like, why aren't you selling merch for each one of these players? Like, put because their faces on Because they would have to give the players a cut of that. Right. Want to but do that. still, if you, you can still make money. It's still to the good, right, ultimately. But that's not how, isn't that the NFL? It's like those jersey sales are some seen percentage of their, their revenue every year. Yeah. And they sell those jerseys, some of them, for like $300. Yeah. So I recommended it. They maybe, thought maybe it was crazy. Maybe don't start at that price for the esports guys. Yeah. But like... I recommended that. They thought I was crazy. I'm so, and I mean, I mean, I was surprised when I found out they didn't do that. Right. I'm like, I Me thought too. that was the most obvious it's thing in the world. Low-hanging fruit. When you think of making money at the, through the NFL, you think of people who buy the players' jerseys or the NBA players' jerseys. Like, how often do you see? You say everywhere. Go downtown. There's nothing but fucking Kobe Bryant jerseys. 
the man is died he's and he's still yeah. making money yeah. because everybody wants to, to, to I even, own, own his jersey. Like, I even presented a plan with this cool augmented reality tech that they could use to where people could try on the shirts like in their seats. And mm -hmm. so I put this whole thing together. They ignored it all. And here we are four years later and all these esports. I mean, I don't down, know if so. that would have actually worked, but it's like that's the proven, try that's the proven revenue model yeah. for sports. Yeah. So, yep. do, and also like sell Gordon Beer garlic fries. Right. Like, <laughs> Everybody loves those. So anyway, um, let's see if we have any other questions about this. I'm surprised at the, the feedback from you guys on this. I thought you guys would just sit there and wait for us to move on, but you guys are actually kind of interested in it. Because it is kind of like the great X factor. Like nobody can figure it out. Well, it's because like, there's nothing to figure out. I, it's I, just, I, I think you're right. At the end of it all, I don't think there's any way to make it a success. So, And I do apologize for using the word athletes, but I, I don't want to offend the people who are really into it. And I do think that they consider themselves athletes. So I'm being respectful. I mean, to some degree, they do something that I could not physically do. Yeah. It kind of counts. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, it's just that it's their hands instead right. of their arms or their legs. So I don't know. I mean, it um, depends. Like, is a, is a close-up magician an athlete? Yeah. Actually, that's a good question. There yeah. is a World Series of Magic. Yeah, there is. Like, yeah. that's a, that's I would say yes. I mean, yeah. the dexterity that you need dexterity, to... Dexterity, you could argue it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like darts. Yeah. yeah. Are they athletes? I don't know, but they can do something I can't, I can't do, do with their hands. Yeah, that's for sure. So yeah. um, so anyway, Overwatch League, RIP. Probably should have played TAS if I cared, but I don't. <laughs> uh, next on housekeeping, uh, we got a surprise announcement this week that I don't think anybody saw coming unless you were working at one of the major outlets and you were alerted beforehand. And that is that the Steam Deck OLED model is coming on the 16th in two days. The brand new model of Steam Deck is coming out. It um, Does this change your interest in it at no. all? <laughs> was a, I have no facetious. use case for this thing and never will. <laughs> Um, some data on this. The screen is 1280 by 800. It's 7.4 inches. Um, the storage, you can buy a 512 megabyte model or a one terabyte model. The cheapest model starts at $549. <laughs> and really, the only improvement other than the screen, and this is related to the screen, is a somewhat longer battery life. And really, that just comes from the fact that the OLED screen is using less juice. Mm -hmm. Um People seem really excited about this on Sifted. Uh, they're just following Nintendo's model. In fact, I think Valve even admitted that, like, yeah, Nintendo showed us the way of what, how to, like, evolve our handhelds. Um, so, although they didn't wait as long as Nintendo did to release the yeah. OLED model. And then, and then we charged three times what Nintendo did for it. So Right. Um, what, what would it take? Is there anything that Nothing. they could do? I have no interest in playing PC games on a handheld. Ever. Yeah. Never. Nothing. I mean, I don't play Zero. my Switch in handheld mode. Why would I play PC games? I don't in know. <laughs> why did I? Why did I get a 4090 and a giant, you know, 4K monitor if I want to play them on this dinky little thing? I don't need to do that. I understand there are people that have to share the TV or share the computer or don't want to look at a computer monitor, or whatever. After working on it all day, uh, I don't do my work on that monitor. I do it on a, on a laptop. Um, so like, I, I I don't I have no concept of when I would ever want to do that. Like yeah. I would just wait until I could play it on the big screen. There's a lot of sifters with Steam decks. Yeah. A lot. I'm really surprised. I mean, by it's how a very, many... it's very selling shockingly well, especially for the price. Yeah, it's really crazy. I mean, I mean obviously, it's, obviously, it's cheaper than an actual PC if you mm -hmm. don't have a function. Yeah, yeah a, you can just plug it into your monitor and you have a pretty decent PC. Yeah, but I do, so I don't. Right, have you don't need, need it for this. Yeah, um, but again, I am surprised at how many yeah. sifters have bought. Not Steam saying it decks. shouldn't exist, but I'm just saying it's never. I'm never going to need one. 
I mean, if they want to send me one, sure, but I'm never mm. going to pay money for that. That's... Even if they sent me one, I just wonder when I would use it. Again, I, I do not use Switch in handheld mode ever. Ever. I have plenty of TVs in my house. I got one no. in a bedroom I never even use. Like, like I said, I've used uh, Switch handheld once, uh, and that is because uh, the lag that was introduced from the, the dock to my TV was too long to catch the big fish in Animal Crossing. <laughs> that's that's that was, really that was sad. It. it was just a split second too long. Yeah, Caleb uh, Faruqi agrees with you. He's like, you just said it. Like, the Steam Deck is cheaper than a PC. It's a value proposition. For some people, it is. Yeah. And but also, if you, already if you have, have that little game... thing sitting on your on your desk, instead of a big tower, it's also, you know, if you don't have a lot of space in your apartment or whatever, you know, there's, it has other, it's kind of an added incentive, I guess, to, yeah. to own If one. you already have a gaming, a gaming PC, that's I don't, yeah, I don't see the, the use for it. Yeah, me either. Um, and I do wonder how many people will update or upgrade from their their old uh, model of Steam Deck to this new OLED version. But it's I so mean, expensive. It, it, I mean, it does look like a very noticeably better screen. Yeah. So I mean, L- OLED is. Like, I might I might just be irritated that I bought the other one first. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but again, it goes on sale on the 16th, which is two days from now. So Thursday, it goes on sale. And the ba- the cheapest model is $549. You can get a 512 or a one terabyte hard drive in it. And again, its biggest feature is longer battery life, other than the nice crisp, crisp and clear screen. So just something to keep in mind, if maybe you pass on the first Steam Deck because you didn't think it was quite up to scratch, this one's a little bit better. Valve also said, by the way... But how much does it cost uh, to buy, like, one that you'd actually want? Like 600 bucks, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I, I haven't seen... I don't remember the stats for this one, but I remember the, the bottom tier The one that you actually wanted was awful. way more. Yeah. It, was, it was like, oh, you can put, like, two games on it kind of thing. Yep. Yeah, so uh, this isn't going to change my mind about Steam Deck, but it might change some of yours or it may convince some of you guys to upgrade to the better model. Um Another kind of surprise from this week, although it shouldn't have because it was it all happened on a very important date. But we got another trailer, Matt, for Mass Effect 4. Now, another teaser trailer. And this was for N7 Day. November 7th is the big holiday every yeah, I just year want for to Mass know, This Effect. is literally just a warlock from Destiny. Yeah. That's that's a Destiny character. I don't know what this is. Has anybody like figured out what it is exactly? No, it's just a that's just a carrot. It's just a it's just a dinosaur. It really doesn't is mean it, anything. No, it's just a maybe that'll be a thing in this game that comes out in ten years. <laughs> Who fucking Cause, can't I, cause that's they just the want thing. you to go buy merch at the store. That's all it is. Like that's what N seven day has been for years now. You go so, buy your N yeah. seven jacket. That's that it. I already have actually. I'm surprised that fucking trench coat isn't up there right <laughs> for now. For like five hundred dollars. Here's the thing, Matt. One, we also it also leaked out this week that it's not coming out until like 2029. If that. And that blew my mind because that's still six years away from now. And then I get in here today and I go to load up clips for this out of the TriCaster and I realize there are three trailers yeah. for Mass Effect 4 already. Yeah, the first trailer for this was, uh, was Game Awards 2020. <laughs> What the they tease this game a decade before it's going to be out, if it even comes out. Bioware may not survive the release of Dragon Seriously. Age 4. I mean, we don't even know if this game is ever going to make Age, it. Dragon Age 4 is going to be 10 years in the making by the time it comes out next year, if it comes out next year. Yeah. Inquisition there's... was 2014. Dragon Age Origins took nine years to make. They started in 2000. Yeah. Like, I don't know why it takes this long to do these things. I don't either. But again, we have three trailers for this game already. It's not coming out till 2029. That's just insane. Like, 
I just it's I don't understand why someone just like I don't know take a flamethrower or something and clean house in the EA executive wing and start over like I like it's 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 I don't know how you manage a company this ineptly Poorly. like I'm not I'm not saying Bioware here I'm saying EA yeah. like I don't understand I don't know who else to pin pin the donkey on for this one uh how do you make this fail that badly like it's and like you're I mean you're in team eco territory here like the last right. guardian was 11 years or something you're, you're in duke nukem forever territory yeah. you're like what and you're like well, how i mean if dragon age doesn't sell like starcraft or starfield you're that's the end of bioware yeah like this is i mean it's not just like ridiculous development times not just being impatient gamer dorks it's like this is it's reality horrible management yeah. like yeah. You're, you're basically you, you take this long and spend this much money just to pay people to work on this game for all these years you're I mean that's all in in a way that it doesn't have to be yeah. you know you don't have to keep making these huge bets and like bet the company on it every time I, I don't agree. understand the purpose of that I don't either um, but I you know I feel like it's like 50-50 where whether we'll actually see this game or not yeah. like, I mean I know people that have been working on these games I mean not really Mass Effect, Mass Effect doesn't really exist yet yeah um, it's just like a concept right now. Like I assure you that that whatever that is in that teaser from N Seven Day, that's just like a thing they. I was like, oh no, that looks cool. Have that <laughs> have that walk through, and that's your thing. So you I, think there's no significance to the actual game there? I at mean, all. they might eventually use that design Character or something or if that game ever exists. But that's I don't think that's anything. I think it's just like that's cool to have that walk by. Yeah. And I was like, is it Shepard? Is it Leo? I'm like, it's nothing. Yeah. It's, a, it's a person in a helmet with a, with a People coat. People were working hard trying to figure out what it was. That's for sure. But I mean, I don't six blame years them. out, no one's got made any decisions about anything. I assure you, I just I don't blame them with all this media out for the game. It's easy to think that like, hey, it may be only be a couple years away. It's time to get excited for it. It's not. <laughs> it's not. No. <laughs> Are we going to get another Dragon Age teaser at Game Awards for the f- what, third time, fourth time? Maybe. The Abrams says the fall of Bioware is so effing sad. It is. Yeah. It really is. It's one of those studios that, like, you go back 10 years ago, it, they're infallible. Like, you you couldn't have convinced me that Bioware would end up like this. Mm-hmm. You could have, like, said, like, no, I'm from the future and blah, blah, blah. And this and this closet, I would have been like, you're full of it. And in the meantime, how many Bioware RPGs has Spiders put out? Right. Between <laughs> three or Dragon four. Age Inquisition and now. <laughs> Seriously. And they they're probably... Gonna, yeah, they'll be up to three or four by the time... When, when uh, Greedfall 2 comes out, which is supposed to be next year. Right. Probably before Dragon Age 4. Yeah. And it's not like... I mean, are those as good as, like, KOTOR? No. And Mass Effect 2? No. But if they spend another six months on them, they'd but be they're close. Good eno- you know, they're good <laughs> enough. Yeah, it's, like, yeah. It's really insane. Um, like, do you really think it would? Be, it's better to to spend a decade building up expectations and, and budget and debt on this new Dragon Age game than it would have been to release, like, a just okay Dragon Age 4 in, like, 2019? Yeah. Hmm? <laughs> it's really crazy. Like, you don't even have the Star Citizen griff to excuse it. No. You're like, it's not like you're making money in the meantime. Yeah. Rock and Roll 458 says, trailer. Yeah, that yeah. was... <laughs> you're right. That wasn't really a trailer. The funny part is that two other ones actually are more trailers than that most recent one was. So maybe they are trying to set expectations for a release date that's a far, far distance away. So we'll see. Uh, but don't count on Mass Effect 4 anytime soon, despite all the news that came out this week. Um, next up, so we were talking earlier, Matt actually brought this up about how a lot of studios are changing their minds and maybe they're working on games as a service or free to play games and they've decided to change their mind and turn that into a premium game. That exact thing happened this week with Mm. Remedy. 
hot on the heels of Alan Wake 2. Everyone talking about it is kind of the big game from the last week or so. Um, it decides to announce when all there's there's all the goodwill rolling around <laughs> that their new game, their upcoming game, is that was supposed to be a free-to-play, cooperative, multiplayer type game as a service thing is now going to be a free a free or a premium game. And they're going to sell it for a full price, and it's not going to be a free-to-play game as a service. Um, so right there is your perfect example of a developer seeing the writing on the wall and changing its approach. Mm-hmm. And um, also realizing what they're known for and what people want from them. Right. Does anyone want a free-to-play multiplayer game for people who made Alan Wake and Control? No. Yeah. They want another experience like Alan Wake and Control. Yeah. Yeah. And that doesn't and sound that's like probably this what we'll really get now. That, but. They also changed the name of the game. The game is now called Kestrel, K-E-S-T-R-E-L. I'd say that's not really any less generic than Vanguard. But. Well, they also said that that is also like a placeholder name. It's mm-hmm. like, come on, guys. Like, you can't give us two different placeholder games for your name for mean, your game. At least Kestrel almost has an image attached to it as opposed to Vanguard, which just makes me think of generic co-op shooter number 4032. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um I mean, I keep thinking that there was another shooting game called Vanguard at some point. Yeah, anyway, it feels like get... there was. Yeah, <laughs> It did seem kind of derivative. Uh, so anyway, that game is still, you know, years away. But they did put that information out there that they have bailed on a game as a service. And they're going to release a game that you actually will pay for. Um, another smaller story from this week. There's a lot of them this week, if you can't tell. Um, so we talked in last week's episode about how... And we debated like who was behind it, but basically, Mortal Kombat One's DLC was outrageous. They had put out a Halloween fatality. They were charging ten dollars for it, and we came to the conclusion by the end of the discussion that that was all on Warner Brothers. Had nothing to do with NetherRealm. Then this week, Matt, and also we should say by the way, as a make good for that because they're getting their names dragged through the mud. They then gave away two free fatalities, or they're going to. There's one for yeah. Thanksgiving, and there's one for Thanksgiving and Christmas. Christmas are gonna, they're basically gonna be lumped in if you bought the Halloween yeah. one. So if you paid for ten dollars for that fatality, you're gonna get two more for free. Yeah. And to be fair, the Thanksgiving one is one of the grossest fatalities they've ever done. It is. It's, yeah, it almost. <laughs> It's, it's, it almost I mean, steps it's, over the line. It's pretty great. Yeah. But it's like, it's it's disgusting. <laughs> it really is. Well done. Yeah. Um, so anyway, they tried to... It's funny because like when I... I didn't know what that was. I just saw it pop up on Twitter, a video of it pop up on Twitter without context. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, that must be the Thanksgiving. I knew what it was. I yeah, knew yeah. Like, Oh, that's a Thanksgiving fatality if I ever saw one. <laughs> like you could also just call it like one of... You call, the other, it made me think like the holiday stuff is kind of fun. Mm-hmm. It's overpriced. But like, yeah. I'm like... You know what they should do? They should do a seven deadly sins oh. uh, fatality pack. They should do like well, they already one got gluttony. Glut- yeah, glut- that's what it made me <laughs> I think. Nailed of. that one. <laughs> like they should do seven deadly sins is like the, like a, a random fatality pack of just like the most disgusting, horrifying shit they can think of, and then they make you pay for it. Yeah, because well, you can't say that they thrust it on you because right. you bought it. Right. Exactly. Yep. Like I, I, if you want to push the limits and really exercise those anatomy textbooks, which I know you have in that office, <laughs> that's my suggestion. Seven deadly sins fatalities. Yep. Well, hot on the heels of all this madness, we actually got more news that people were like, what the hell? And so there's a brand new DLC character coming named Omni-Man. Now, Omni-Man, Matt, is he from... He's from Invincible. Invincible, which mm-hmm. I somehow, for some reason, has completely avoided me. Like, oh, I have never watched it. missing out. I, heard, I, I, I guess I am. Like, it's the Walking Dead guy. Yeah, I know. Like, I somehow... It's actually, the, it's actually way better than Walking Dead. Yeah, I've heard every, a lot of people say, I'm going to check it out now. It's um, very, very good. It is just as violent as this makes it out to be. It's unfortunate that you know that because... It could be a pleasant surprise. 
I don't know about pleasant, but like you, <laughs> surprise. I assure you, the first half of the first episode does not clue you into how that's going to end. Okay, all right. And I, you know, I read the whole comic series. Yeah, finished season one. Season two's up or start coming out currently. Um, you have no idea where this is going. Okay, you have, including people. <laughs> if you haven't read the comic, you have no idea where this is going it's amazing it's wow. a it's a reconstruction of the superman idea okay of the superhero thing in general but also superman specifically uh-huh. um and it's very very good and it's crazy and it's original and weird it gets so weird later on you don't like I, I could tell you something that happens like near the end don't. of the show near, near the end of the story and you'd be like no I way. can't even how do you get I there? can't even come up with a way you'd get to that from where we are here <laughs> okay. it's, it's amazing I'm gonna check it out um but Omni Man is from that IP yes. and he is coming as the first DLC character for Mortal Kombat 1 and it's leaked out that he is going to cost eight dollars mm-hmm. eight dollars for one character now what were i don't remember what the characters cost before i thought they were five bucks i can't remember because i always got the season passes for these right. things because i do want all the characters from yeah. combat and the season passes are the same price they always been they're like 20 bucks yeah um you get like four guys I don't think they're going to be that cheap this time if they're asking eight bucks for each character. I already got them. Oh, you already got them? Yeah, they're part of the big deluxe thing. Oh, wait, they're already playable in the game? No, the, you buy the passes ahead of time. Oh, uh, okay. And you just get them when they come out. For so free. You, you got it for 20 bucks? I think so. I think the pass was 20 bucks. Well, that's a great deal then. Yeah, I can't remember. Because they're going to ask $8 for each one of these. They've always been a little cheaper than buying them. Maybe they're 25 I can't remember. I mean, this time it sounds like it could be a lot cheaper to buy them all in the bundle. I mean, even at 25 if it's four characters for eight bucks, you're saving money. Yeah. Um, I would remember. you ever pay $8 for a DLC character, Matt? I mean, that's about what fighting game characters cost now. Really? Tekken's not too far off that. Really? I'm surprised. I mean, surprised that's why, the, but that. the season passes are always better. Yeah. People like, have been freaking out about it this week. So it seemed like it was out of the ordinary. I, that doesn't really ring a alarm bell for me the way a $10 Fatality does. Mm-hmm. Like, at least it's a character. Well, I would agree the Fatality is way worse, worse priced. But still, $8 for a character. The whole game costs 70 bucks. Yeah. I mean, but you are dealing with a license and, a, and hiring J.K. Simmons yeah. uh, to, to do the voice. It still seems outrageous to um, me. I think what they're going to have to address is Homelander, because Homelander's not voiced by the actor. Right. Yeah, he just announced right. on Instagram that he's actually not voicing the character yeah, for the game. To, they need to fix that. You think they're just going to have to throw some money at him? Uh, well, it didn't happen because of the strike. Oh, is that why? Yeah. Oh. Like, he can't. he couldn't do... Th- that because it was because uh, the, the boys is struck work well they should be able to fix it then they would just have to bring him in and have him voice it yeah well to... his likeness also i don't think is in the game yeah it is it's oh i thought it wasn't him. it's definitely him oh yeah. i because thought it wasn't because that's part of the the deal with the show and they own that for for the show the problem is that he the actor could not participate because the boys is struck work and he can't do stuff that's why jk simmons could do omni man because in, invincible is animated right so he's not promoting a live action sag struck project right right but uh the actor who plays uh, homelander who's unfortunately i can't remember his name even though he's really really good um he couldn't do that so now they could uh i don't know if warner brothers is going to be willing to do that i bet ed boone would like to do it yeah um but you'd have to delay the character a little bit but they've got two other characters in there yeah they, they could you, delay you could, it you could pull it off i mean i could say personally i would never spend eight dollars for a dlc character i just wouldn't do it that seems outrageous to me 
um, to spend eight bucks for one of them. And especially, okay, never mind. The combat pack's forty bucks. Oh, okay, that makes more sense. <laughs> um, especially that includes uh, one, two, three, four, five, six playable fighters. So you're getting only a slight discount. Six playable fighters and five cameo fighters. Okay. So you're only getting a slight discount on the playables, but you're getting the cameos. Yeah. Is icing so, on the top. I mean, yeah. So five, you know, six times eight is less. You know, you're still saving eight bucks. Yeah. And then probably extra. I mean, who knows how much the cameo fighters will cost? Yeah. I don't know if those will be separate. Those should but. just be free. Like you can't you charge think, people for everything, you would think, man. But also, like, remember the cameo fighters uh, have been what makes something the winning strategy or not. It's true. Just like the assists in the old Marvel yeah. Marvel versus games. Is they're important. Yeah. Like if you're using the wrong assist, you might lose. It's true. So yeah. they're they're worth something. Here's my thing. If you're going to ask me to pay $8 for a downloadable character for a fighting game, I should be able to test drive it first. I should be able to play with that character for like half a day or something like that. Yeah, you should, you should let people use it in the lab. Yeah, because it's yeah. like if I'm going to spend that much money, I want to know whether I want to play with that character or not before I spend the money. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's something on down the road they do, but probably not. Some so, games do that. Yeah. I don't think Mortal Kombat has ever done that. Yeah. So all told... And they do... Actually, they do have free weekends for certain things. Tekken's done that. Tekken's had weekends where you could play certain characters it's true. for free. Yeah. Um, that's true. It's possible. I mean, you know, it's... Uh, so all in for Mortal Kombat 1, $110. Oh, for the... For, I actually I think it's base game I think it was 120 plus- so base game was, seventy plus base game, base game seventy, and I think it was like a ten dollar deluxe add on, and then the season uh. pa- the, the combat pack on wow. top of that. If I remember, I might be wrong. That's where we're at now. Yeah, I think hundred. I want to say one hundred and twenty was what the the one hundred. You're a fan of games. One nineteen ninety nine or whatever. I mean, truth be told, or you pay two hundred twenty get a statue, right? <laughs> nope. Yeah, as we've said many times, like if yeah. you're really into like one game, you actually save a ton of money. Yeah, I will also even say, though you. I will also robbing. say this: like that, if you watch the videos and everything, they nailed him. Like if Who, you uh, Omni Man, if you like Invincible, uh, dead on. Like e- almost every move he does is directly out of the show or the comic. His fatality is directly out of the show and the. Com- I mean, it's they. If you like that show or you like that character, like. They did. They're never gonna. You're never gonna get a better version <laughs> yeah. of them. Well, eventually like, they'll probably be an invincible video game. Would be my guess. But not, I, this sort of nails it in a way that like, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how you do an invincible video game. Yeah. Um. And you wouldn't be playing as Omni Man. Yeah. So. Um, Rock and Roll Four Five Eight says, "I'm not saying Mortal Kombat is worth 120, but there are definitely some video games that could reasonably price over 100 at launch. I mean." They're already making that argument with yeah. like Call of Duty that like if they charge you 100, how many but people would they lose if? If GTA 6 is $100, what are you going to do about it? They're going to pay it. Yeah. They're going to pay it. Yeah. They could charge $100 for it. I don't Absolutely. think it, I think they would maybe lose 3% of sales. Yeah. If and then you figure out the extra $30 that you make per game and you hit. It doesn't matter. <laughs> and then the people that, that buy it anyway when the first sale hits in six weeks. Yeah. Or, or six months or whatever. Yeah. Like, they're going to get everyone eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Japanese dude says you also only get a new character every three or four months. Yeah, it takes a while. Yeah, those. I mean, to be to be fair, they do they do them up. Those characters in Mortal Kombat are not. Yeah, nothing. they're they put a lot of work into it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they have their own fatalities, and they usually have their own stage, and it's it's not mm-hmm. like we're just gonna slap a. Skin. I really do think they should delay. They should hold off on Homelander until they get the the actor's voice. And I it does. I I'd don't. agree with that. People will complain big time. I don't see the point otherwise. Yeah. He's he is so much that character. He is that character. Yeah. 
That also, um, that also another uh, good series based on a. I think uh, Invincible is a much better comic than The Boys. Mm-hmm. Um, Did you watch Gen V? No, but I know what it is. I watched it. It's it's. I did uh, get sucked into it. I ended up watching all the episodes. I did not find it to be anywhere near as good as the boys. Mm-hmm. It's that, like that's the I mean, boys that, in high school, basically. Right. I mean, there's a, there's similar sidetracks like of stuff like that in the in the comics uh, of the boys. Um, I would say there are elements of the boys I prefer in the comic, but for the most part, I think this show does it better. Um, Especially Homelander. Homelander is a vastly more interesting character in the show. Interesting. Than he is in the comics. Wow. I'm um, surprised to hear that. That rarely he, ever happens. He just, he, just doesn't, like... he just doesn't have the dimensionality in the comics that he does. in the. And a lot of that's the performance. A lot of that yeah. is the actor. And He's good. Very good. Yeah, he nails very that character good. for sure. Uh, the sh- most shocking thing about the show of the boys is how much they've taken the characters who are not the boys and made them sort of what drives the engine of that show. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the comic, the boys are the central the thing at all times except when they need to show you sometimes they'll cut away and do like a gen v thing because they really need you to understand why the people the boys are about to murder horribly should be murdered horribly right yeah um <laughs> yeah yep so anyway um if you're a big mortal Kombat fan you're not gonna get your fandom for cheap that's for damn sure um uh, next up Yesterday, we just got the nominees for the Game Awards Game of the Year. Um, obviously, we will do our own Game of the Year awards middle of December like we always do. And so we're not going to tip our hand on games that we're leaning towards or anything like that. We're just going to go over, um, I guess, does Jeff still have the editorial committee that picks these? I think, yeah, of course and I And then know. you guys can vote. You can go to the Game Awards website. You can vote on them. I don't know why. Whatever that does i don't i'm not 100 percent sure i don't know why i'm doing marketing work for jeff either but i've been doing it for the last eight years on sifted and now he's in fortnite (laughs) jeff's in fortnite the game awards are in fortnite oh i saw saw the clip right before we did it's jeff's in fortnite and he's being raised up in this giant plinth in the middle of the world like so he's actually in the game yeah so he'll be. It's can like I the shoot other live Jeff Keeley in in Fortnite now? Is that what that means, or is there? You can, like, can shoot Keeley. Can you be Jeff Keeley in Fortnite, or is <laughs> I that don't just think like a so. is that just like a special thing that he's going to present as that? I think character. he'll just be there, and he'll be like on the virtual stage or whatever, like kind of like how they do their concerts. I feel and, like he would want to be running around blowing oh, yeah. shit up alongside Spider Man and Batman. Oh, believe me, yet. if he can make that happen, he will make it happen. I guarantee it, without a doubt. Um, Let's anyway. see how many people buy that DLC. Yeah. Anyway, here are the nominees. <laughs> um, here are the nominees for Game of the Year according to the Game Awards, and I do believe they still have an editorial committee that picks the nominees, and then you guys can go to their website and vote. Anyway. I saw people talking about the committee. I don't know if that means it still exists for yeah. sure or not, but I assume. Yeah, I was good enough to be in the committee when I worked at Game Trailers. I leave there, and all of a sudden, I am not qualified to be on the editorial committee. Okay, but anyway. Um, here are the nominees for Game of the Year for the Game Awards. Uh, Alan Wake 2, Baldur's Gate 3, these are in alphabetical order, Baldur's Gate 3, Marvel Spider-Man 2, Resident Evil 4 Remake, Super Mario Bros. Wonder, and of course, The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Any mm. games that you feel like are missing? You mentioned Street Fighter 6 earlier. Street Fighter 6 could be included, I think, over Resident Evil 4 because it's a remake. Um... I mean, it doesn't shock me, but also, like, you're leaving Starfield off, which is interesting. Starfield had one nomination yep. for Best RPG, and that is Which it, it ain't winning. Which is not so, going to win. Yeah, I mean, I, I recognize that, like, mm, but I mean, this is a this is a race between Baldur's Gate and Zelda. It doesn't it doesn't matter. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I think you're right. I think 
particularly if you look at the reviews that the editorial committee put out there for the games, these are the two. Yeah. There were people complaining that Hogwarts Legacy wasn't in anything, but it's like, A, no one remembers that was this year. Uh, that and, is my big omission. And B, I love, I really did love I know, that you, I, but it really seems to have fallen off with people. I think like, the problem is, is it released like it in 11 months ago. Like people um, just forgot. I think you're right. I people think people forgot. forgot. It, yeah. it, I think it's been surpassed several times over by a lot of those other games in that. I mean, not, I don't think Alan Wake 2 did necessarily, but also a lot of people like Alan I would Wake swap 2 out Alan Wake 2 for Hogwarts Legacy in a heartbeat. <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't because fuck that game. Um, and You're saying like so- socially you don't yeah, want it to like be. I have no interest in promoting that yeah. any further. But I was, if I was fascinated by the number of people, even the people that were arguing against the so-called boycott, which really didn't happen. Like mm-hmm. that didn't make any It wasn't really a thing. Yeah. But like. Even the people that were like championing it were sort of like uh, after the after the controversy was over, like everybody just sort of stopped talking about it because it's actually just sort of a pretty standard. The the thing about Hogwarts Legacy was it's the best Harry Potter game ever made by like a billion miles, right. which <laughs> isn't saying much. Yeah, you know, it's, it's still a really awesome action RPG, eh, man. Like, it's, pretty, it's pretty good. Look, I don't give a crap about Harry Potter. I really don't. I love the crap out of that game. I love that game. Um, I would get, I would ditch Alan Wake 2 in a heartbeat to put that in there. The other thing too is it's just now about to come out for Switch, so now mm. people are starting to remember. Oh, that's right. And you're, I think you're right. I think a lot of people may think that game came out last year because it's been so long. So that's my only omission. I mean, otherwise, I think they probably got them right. Street Fighter Six, I wouldn't mind seeing on there. Yeah, I would. I mean, just I don't know. Like, I mean, I didn't even draft Resident Evil Four in the in the fantasy draft because I thought remakes were sort of verboten a little bit, or it felt like cheating a mm-hmm. little bit. But like, not me for game of the. I mean, I, I mean, they're not not wrong in the sense that it's one of the best things I played this year. But like, it's it's just Resident Evil Four again. Yeah. Like, you that know, just like, shows you how great yeah. it is, though. <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest with you; it's one of the best games I played this year. Like, it's not pushing boundaries or doing anything, you know, innovative or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But it's a really great video game. There's a, I mean, there's like a, a bunch of weird shit in there, but there always is. Yeah, you know? it's like it's weird that Octopath Traveler Two isn't in anything. Yeah, um, I'm not surprised by that, though. Uh, it's very good. It also, is. Yeah. It's weird that Lies of P is in the RPG category to me. I know that it has RPG elements, but every other game in that in that category is a pretty standard RPG, and Lies of P is an action adventure game that has stats. The problem is that like every game has RPG elements right. now. Like I even saw that the developers of Robocop very... Rogue City call their game an yeah, RPG. Which is silly. But they they um, themselves call it an right. action RPG. It's just a shooter that has RPG, RPG elements. elements yeah. But like, it was like but like arbitrarily deciding Lies of P is an RPG is weird to me. <laughs> um, there's always stuff like that in awards. People are always going to say, "Well, that should be here and that should be there." And there's of course the Dave the Diver controversy, which uh, What controversy? It's nominated for best independent game and it's not an independent game. Oh. And so there's a bunch of people like, "What does that even mean?" And it's the thing about like and they're right, you know. It's a, it's it's like an aesthetic thing. It looks like an indie game, so people call it an indie game. But the thing is, and I, I thought this was actually a really interesting point in terms of how you use the language. If it was, the, if the category was best indie game, you'd have this kind of cover of indie being this colloquialism we use to sort of basically describe things that look a look and feel a certain way that aren't triple A projects, mm-hmm. right? Um, but it's not called that. It's called Best Independent Game. Mm-hmm. What would you think that they should change the name of the award to? I just think they shouldn't nominate something made something 
funded, owned, and published by the 12th largest video game publisher in the world, an independent game. Yeah. Dave the Diver is not an independent game. And if you want to call it best independent game, you have to pay attention to that. Because, and if it's, just, problem, an, though, if it's it... just an aesthetic thing, okay, well then is Gone Home an independent game? Because that's a realistic aesthetic. And at that point, Baldur's Gate 3 should be nominated for best independent game because it's a realistic looking game that was in entirely independently funded. So why is only the aesthetic the thing that makes Dave the Diver in independent? It's not. See, that's what I mean by the difference. I think the problem is that 80% of gamers, that's what they think an independent game is. Right, but they agree with the wrong. game awards. Well, they might be, but anything. it doesn't matter. At and the, the, end of the and day, a, and this board of supposed experts should know better than that. But at the end of the day, Matt, they'd rather have twenty percent of the people bitching at them instead of eighty percent of the people bitching at them. That's it's what not, this all comes down to: the lack of social uproar on social media. They're like that. It's just the facts. Like most people, when they think indie game, they think smaller game, not as expensive to make. Probably 2D, yeah, probably not a lot of the accoutrement that you get in the right, big but, budget. But games. that's what I mean when I say the difference between indie and independent. Mm. You want to, you want to have, you want to fudge that. Call the category best indie game. Mm -hmm. Indie gets you a lot of leeway. The independent, you say, in spelling Indep it out. You're going to spell that word out. That word means something. It does. Yeah. So, and it doesn't mean Nexon. So, <laughs> I think a lot of people in America think that Nexon is like an indie yeah. publisher because I mean, they're so small here. Right, but they're they're the twelfth largest they're video game publisher in the world. But they're, they're they make all that money in Korea, and people here don't care about that. It's words still mean things. Yeah. Like at that point, you might I understand as well what you're saying. Might but... as well nominate Fortnite for best independent game. <laughs> it is. Yeah. But that's never going to But happen. it's not because it's not pixel art. It's not a pixel art side scroll with a quirk, quirky premise. That's yeah. what makes everyone say, not everyone, some people say Dave the Diver's an independent because it looks like one, but mm -hmm. it isn't one. Yeah. You know, like, I don't think anyone's arguing with that. I think people are just, there are certain things that just happen in society that become accepted by the masses and you just end up having to go with it sometimes, unfortunately. But, and this is one of those cases. Well, they didn't go with it when they nominated Sifu for fighting game last year. So I'm not really buying it. <laughs> like, I think it's, I think, I think some of these nominees are just chosen by a, a room full of monkeys with typewriters. That could be. Yeah. So anyway, those are the nominees for Game of the Year according well, we're to... We're not going to talk about the eSports Athlete of the Year? <laughs> no. Actually, we already I, did that. <laughs> actually, I would note that this is the first time in the history of the Game Awards I have an opinion about Best Content Creator. <laughs> because <laughs> one of the nominees is People Make Games, which made that great documentary about Disco Elysium. Oh, uh, okay. So I actually do have a, a dog in the fight on one of those stupid things. <laughs> Finally. This time. Best Content Creator, People Make Games. So Let's go, Quinn. Someone makes content that we actually thought yeah. was good. It is, it is great. funny to think about. And it's the only one, if you look at the nominees on the thing, it's yeah. the only one that has a logo and not some random dude's face. Right. On the thing. It's because it's, it's a bunch of people that made a fucking it's documentary. About the game. Like, that's what we do here. Like, you'll never see our faces in our thumbnails. Mm -hmm. And it's probably a huge mistake, but like, my I, the ideals that I like to create content around is it's about the games first and us second. And that's not what people want anymore. People mm -hmm. want the faces first, and then the games are just like tertiary, which to me is just insane. Like, I'm just some dude from central Pennsylvania that loves video games like you do. I was a little more dedicated to them, so I went to college, and I started a website in college. But otherwise, I'm just a dude from central PA. So I look at myself, and I'm just like, why does anybody want to, like acquiesce around me like it's a, to me it's about the games like i'll never get it because there's no difference between the games from outlet to outlet the difference is the personalities i guess um 
And it doesn't last forever. The like, funny thing, Matt, is up until this person, all the content creators who won Content Creator of the Year never once appeared on Sifted, mm-hmm. the world's most advanced video game content aggregator. Well, I remember. Never once it, has any of those guys ever well, appeared. Well, also, People Make Games is a team. Right. It's, a, it's, not, it's, one, not, just it's one not one random streamer. Right. who's. It's a bunch of people who make... They, all their stuff they do on, people, on their YouTube channel is like deep dive documentary analysis of various things and stuff like yeah it's you know it's by it's by uh uh that guy quinn's is married to lee alexandra yeah uh he, you know he, he does board game stuff too he, he's a great great creator yeah and um and they he probably won't win they probably probably won't. not no I, but I, I mean i was just shocked <laughs> we're not gonna get as many likes i was just on shocked social media, that, like it got nominated they got nominated at all because it was such quality content it's real I didn't, good content i didn't think that's what we did here that's typically not what they do no yeah so anyway, um, those are the nominees for Game of the Year. We'll see who wins. Are the Game Awards December 7th or 8th? I forgot. I want to say it's December 7th because that was Pearl Harbor. Okay. <laughs> That's my association with that. Okay. Yeah. But they're coming up soon, and as usual, we'll cover them. We'll do Jeff I another re- solid, even though he never I rem- does Because I remember solids. seeing when he when they announced the date. I remember the night before, by coincidence, I had thought, is there a date for the Game Awards yet? And I looked up the Game Awards site, and it said December 7th. And I was like, yeah. oh, Pearl Harbor. And then the next day, he Jeff tweeted and was like, oh, announcing the... I'm like, you didn't. That was already on the website last night, bro. <laughs> I, I saw that. Uh, so anyway, there you go. That's our little tease for the uh, the Game Awards that are coming up here in the next few weeks. Um, one, another story. I told you there's a lot of housekeeping today. Another story that just came out yesterday, or the day before, I think, is that Steam will now let you hide your porn games that you play. I'm stunned that this wasn't already a feature. Like, what? How did you not implement this the instant you put porn on your service? I know. What the hell? That's so bizarre. And here's the thing, Matt. Nintendo probably needs that, too, on the Switch. Seriously. Dude, sales of those games are going to skyrocket. Oh, yeah. Because now people are like, I can buy them, and everyone in the world's not going to know that I bought it. And you watch the sales of those games are just going to go into the stratosphere. It's really sure. funny. <laughs> so it was a smart business decision. To your point, though, why did it take Valve so long? And no, we're not showing any B-roll for this yeah. topic. <laughs> I don't know. The, I mean, obviously, you could always make your profile private yeah. or whatever. But mm-hmm. like, people want to actually still interact and stuff, but yeah. also not have people know they're playing, uh, I don't know, MILF Quest or right. whatever the hell. They're, <laughs> I don't even know what a porn yeah. game is. I can't name one. I know because they keep fucking throwing them at me oh, all, the, really? all the time. Because I have JRPGs in my That's library. That's all it so takes. They, <laughs> like, oh, this guy played Tales of Arise, so he must want to see giant animated boobs Let's all the time. Let's some hentai. Yeah. <laughs> like, I got to weed through all this shit to get to the actual game releases sometimes. Let's be honest. Typically, that might be accurate. Yeah. That might be the customer that they should be pushing oh, those games sure, to. Oh, for sure. But I'm, just, I'm always stunned that, like, I just want to look at the upcoming releases and see what I need to play yeah. coming up. And I'm like, I got to scroll through, like, 14 porn things to get to something <laughs> that's even just, like, a standard shooter or something. Yeah. I was like, where? Yeah. So, anyway, you can now go play your porn games with pride. We don't care. We don't judge. Do whatever the hell you want as long as you're not hurting somebody else. Those are the rules that I live by. Um, and then our final story for housekeeping for episode 366 is bad news for Starfield. We already talked about how it wasn't really nominated for anything or much at the Game Awards in 2023. We also got a little bit of other bad news, and that is that right now, Matt, there are more people playing Skyrim on Steam than are playing Starfield. That's because most people playing Starfield are playing it through Game Pass. You think so? I think so. But it's sold like 10 million or whatever. That's for... Regular console. A lot of that wasn't through Steam, though. Yeah, I'm. I'm not playing it on Steam. 
And I wish I was playing it on Steam because Steam's the one that has the fucking beta patch right now oh, with right. the DLSS on. Right. But I pl I played it on Xbox, so mm -hmm. I I'm stuck until they actually do the update for for real. Yeah, I played it on Xbox too. Um, I mean, I have, I'm playing it on the Xbox app on the PC, so I could cross save between the, yeah. the console and the PC. Um, I'm sure I could transfer the save to the Steam version, but that's another hundred bucks out the window. So yeah, um, I don't think it's as simple as that, though. I think there's there's something to this. Well, it's, it's also a single player RPG that most people are done with, and I'm I mean, but I, I mean, it's, we're comparing it to Skyrim. Which Skyrim, is like eleven years old or Skyrim's whatever. mods are active. Yeah, that's the difference. Yeah, you can make Skyrim in anything you want, and it's got ten. It's got ten years of stuff. Also, Skyrim's. You know, there's people. If you were twelve when Skyrim came out, you're in your mid twenties now. Yeah. There's, there's. I mean, Skyrim has a nostalgia to it. Skyrim can be anything. Skyrim has had multiple other games made out of it. Um, Skyrim is comfort food to some people. Like I get it. Like. Whereas, I was like, surprised by whereas this. Whereas Starfield, I'm sitting here waiting for them to get the fucking update up, up so I can start playing. Because I haven't played it in months. Yeah. I mean, I I, I, mean, I moved on to other things for the game. I for the show, I probably would have kept going back to play it later otherwise. But, like, also it reminded me of being sick because I was Right. When, that when mental association. Yeah. But, like, when, it, when the patch comes up with the DLSS, I'm going to go back and play it again. But I'm waiting for that. Yeah. It still is a little alarming, I think. Not really. It's, I mean, it's Skyrim. It was, it was the eighth most played game on the on Xbox like three weeks ago. Yeah, and it's, and it's a single player RPG that most people like won't finish by liked. now. Like, it just feels like Bethesda's RPGs are just these people finish them and they just start them again, and it doesn't feel like that's happening. Well, they're going to wait until the mods are in place. Yeah. Their, their mods aren't. You're right, particularly yet. for PC. They may yeah. be waiting for DLSS to finally. Waiting although that. that is there. If you, I mean, if you want to go find that guy, right. that weird dude who was mad that nobody was right. paying him for it. But okay, <laughs> yeah. well, dude, what do you think this is? Yeah. But a lot of people are, I mean, certainly a lot of the console people are waiting for the mod. I mean, they, they do have the official activated mod yep. thing, right? You know, it's that, coming. That's not yeah. in there yet. Um, so some people are waiting for that. Some people are waiting for other mods to get finished. Um, you know, the mod community is is hard at work with those Star Wars replacement things, yeah. um, which will not be on the console, I guarantee. Nope, <laughs> definitely um, not. Yeah, I mean, most people. I think you finish it, and then you go. I mean, some people did the new game plus grind for a while to get all the various what you call it powers, but they don't really matter that much. Like that could be that could be a rebalance. I wouldn't mind seeing is making those like the magic powers you get from the from the the ancient temples like yeah. actually. I mean, most of those suck. Yeah. Um, there was there was a I can't remember the name of the channel unfortunately, but there's a guy who went through and raided like every ability in the game. Oh, jeez. Like tier, like D, yeah. D to S tier, and it's just remarkable how many completely useless abilities there. How many abilities are broken and don't really do what they say they're they do? Supposed to do, and how many are like, I did this with five hundred. I did this five hundred times to give you actual numbers for what this boosts instead of a lot. Because like yeah. the descriptions, of a lot of those skills are just like it's like major boost. It's like what does that mean? Right. What, give me a percentage. Ambiguous or something. language. Yeah. And, like, so they like, can't be held. And almost all the, every time. It's like 5%. It's nothing. <laughs> That's sad. <laughs> so do you think Starfield has done as well as Bethesda had hoped? Or better, maybe? Sold 10 or? million copies. Is yeah. about, I mean, I, I mean, it I, definitely sold way more than I thought. Yeah, as the... Uh, as the the mods like become activated and the updates hit and the DLC hits and I mean I, th I think I will will it have you know the endless legs of Skyrim probably not but nothing do who what does yeah I don't think Elder Six Elder Six will have those legs of Skyrim Skyrim was kind of an anomaly Skyrim like. was a singular moment in time yeah well especially if they don't upgrade the engine more for the Elder Scrolls Six and it's just like Starfield again where you feel this like 
rickety engine yeah, that a, you're. That's a question. Yeah. Um, It'll be interesting to see and here's what they the do. thing: like that engine could probably do a lot of the stuff fine, except you'd have to rebuild the tools to do it a different way and be it smooth. Because some of the problems, I mean, they have updated a lot of that on Starfield, but every once in a while you see something in Starfield, you're like, that's exactly the way Skyrim does. Yeah, yeah. And it's like... I, I saw a lot of that. Why? Why? Yeah. Because the tool Even already exists. Even after a decade. Because yeah. <laughs> the tool already exists and you just use yeah. the tool. Just so, yeah, it's in. a good question what they're going to do with Elder I would think, at this point, you have to move on to something... Gotta turn the page. ...more advanced for Elder Scrolls Six. Like, I hope so. Well, plus now they're in... They're in, underneath Microsoft's wing. They have all of that QA support now to help them test stuff. Like, no matter what, I mean, we already saw a Starfield how much cleaner that code was at launch compared mm-hmm. to their other games. So, it's going to help. We'll just see. We'll have to see how much. So, there you go. Starfield kind of struggling along a little bit, but I think you're right. It is a single player game. Most people have finished it. Yeah, a lot it of people on PC are people... waiting for the DLSS this stuff. This is not a game as a service. It doesn't matter if people are still yeah. playing it. Yep, they made their money. All right, that's going to do it for housekeeping. But before we head on to the bulk of the show, we're going to check in with you guys because you guys are awesome and you always make Matt and I think about things in different ways. Um, Emperor Dread says, Todd said it was the most important RPG ever made. Um, hell no, it didn't hit their expectations. It wasn't even the best RPG that quarter. I mean, that's just marketing crap. Yeah, I mean, Todd's always going to say that stuff. They're going to make him say yeah, that Yeah, what's stuff. he supposed to do? It's like, hey, we think it's pretty good. But <laughs> you got to hype it up. Yeah. Like, and like if, you know, if it, I think there was grounds to claim that if it maybe approached some of the challenges a little differently in terms of how it presented itself. Mm-hmm. Um, like if it wasn't just a fast travel celebration, yeah, fast. like it would be <laughs> That's really what it was. a little more interesting. In yeah. that regard. I mean, to me, the the biggest shortcoming of Skyrim of Skyrim of Starfield shouldn't name them both yeah. words that start with S. <laughs> um, the biggest shortcoming of Starfield is that um, this the space stuff doesn't really matter. Yeah. Like it's you, just you a means fast to travel to, once you get to, once you've been somewhere you, it's just like everything else it's like it's no different than a skyrim map you yeah, just yeah. fast travel where you want to go because otherwise why am i fucking sitting there watching the same unskippable ship flying by over and over again like i don't why, who wants to watch that? and i did that for a long <laughs> I time i did too but it's like <laughs> that's funny i did the same thing uh let's see what else you guys got in here um there's a lo- emperor dread says there's a lot of space between we're proud of this game and this is the most important one ever made i agree yeah, yeah. But, uh, like I would definitely like to know what he means by that. Yeah, like what did he think that was gonna do? Um, like most important, why? What yeah. what was this gonna change about how RPGs are made? Because I don't see anything in the game that would do that. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I understand. What like I saying. like it. I played it for 140 hours. I'm not yeah, yeah. saying I didn't like Starfield. <laughs> yep. I'm just saying I don't see anything in Starfield that, as an RPG person, makes me go. This has to change in all RPG. You know, I mean, I I do understand when people say that about Baldur's Gate three. I don't agree with them, and I don't think it's realistic. But I do understand why you'd play Baldur's Gate three and be like, this should change everything. It won't. Yeah. Um, but I understand that claim. Uh, also, Larian never said it would be the most important RPG of all time, uh, <laughs> but they do seem to have gotten closer to that than Starfield did. Faradol says it is the seventh for the Game Awards. Mm-hmm. Um. Emperor Dread's asking how he activates the hide porn games feature on Steam. <laughs> um, and Vincent says you could always hide your whole profile. You can, but then you can't interact with other users like you want to. Um, what yeah, else we got can't here? See all, you can't see all my Arkham City achievements. <laughs> Cinetyke says, Sifters, please don't judge me, but I have a second account for my quote-unquote special games. Yeah. <laughs> 
what else you guys got going on in here? Um, my entire Faradol says my entire new games recommendation is pouring games. I have no idea why. And none of it has good art. <laughs> no, they really don't. Like that's on the Switch. That's like all that art is just like this is all like it, yeah. It's like third tier deviant art shit. They're cashing in. Yep. MK Ness, thank you for subscribing at tier two. That is awesome, man. Thank you very much. Um, also, thank you for spamming my yeah. face <laughs> emoji. <laughs> like you look at some of those things on Steam and stuff, and you're like, do people know that porn is just there on the internet? But you can yeah. just like, Google it. I I don't know, Matt. It really does boggle the mind sometimes. Like you don't need to pay fifteen dollars <laughs> for some like <laughs> some twenty two year old like bad drawings of the. Like, but it's interactive, Matt. Uh. <laughs> um, Caleb Faruqi says the distinction between Steam versus Game Pass numbers is worth the occasional disclaimer. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I think there's a huge disconnect between those two numbers, for sure. Yeah. I think it should be mentioned. Probably more so on something like Redfall. Yeah. But. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Mike's Q says, Skyrim is a fantasy genre and Starfield is sci-fi. They don't necessarily cross-pollinate. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say most people that were interested in one are probably interested in the other. Yeah, the, the majority, I would say. Um, anything else you guys got here? Um... East Demon, I know you, you two disagree, but I think Baldur's Gate 3 really did blunt Starfield's impact. I would not disagree with that at all. No. I mean, we were I talking think, about it like it was Game of the Year. I think maybe it would in the sense of, um, like, Mindshare and Zeitgeist, but it certainly didn't impact sales. Yeah. Uh, Baldur's Gate 3 didn't stop anybody from buying Starfield. No. No, not at so. all. Uh, Rigor Mortis UK says, I just feel like the equality of Starfield just doesn't cut it these days. Bethesda is so far behind. I, I mean, you remember our review. Yeah. I did say that it felt like it was an old game in some ways. Like, I'm yeah. not going to disagree like it, with that. It feels like a big leap forward for Bethesda, but it doesn't feel like it caught up to where everyone else is. Yeah. And so I think they're going to have to do that with Elder Scrolls 6. In some ways. And again, um, I cannot emphasize how much more of Starfield's flaws I would I would gloss over and forgive. Um if they'd nailed the space stuff mm -hmm. and i just don't feel like they did <laughs> i don't think it's just your feeling matt <laughs> they, they just flat out did not nail it that's all and it doesn't have to be like that much you know like it's not like no man's sky it doesn't have to be that yeah. but no man's sky like especially now that you've updated all these things and especially with the, some of the this year's updates like you can fly around that area and you can see like big star battles happening and you can like fly through these fleets that jump in and jump out and like there's things like that Happening. that happen mm -hmm. in Starfield but it feels like it happens in this tiny little space bubble. and it feels like there's no reason to even go look at it because it's just the same thing over and over I again. agree yep. um, you don't need to like break the bank on it yeah. but you gotta give me a reason to be there yeah yep I agree alright that's it for the housekeeping for episode 366. Again, I told you we had a bunch of stories from this week. It was a big week for news, but now it's time to get into the bulk of the show. But before we do that, let's hear a word from our important sponsor, LS Cream. LS Cream is a fine cream liqueur created by fellow gamer and sifter, Stevens Charles. It's inspired by an ancestral recipe from Haiti called Cray Mass and a double gold winner for its original taste at the New York Wine and Spirit International Competition. Ellis Cream can be enjoyed on the rocks or as a mixer for drinks with its rich blend of fresh cream and neutral grain spirits with notes of coconut, vanilla, cinnamon, and nutmeg. It's great in coffee or to make espresso martinis. To learn more, discover amazing drink recipes, or to track down your own bottle using a handy store locator, head to creamls.com sifted. 
That's creamls.com slash sifted. That's right, it's LS Cream Baby, hashtag Craymass. You guys are all over it in the chat as usual. Um, holidays are coming, Thanksgiving's coming. You want to have a drink or two before you pass out on the couch after you eat Thanksgiving dinner? Head to creamls.com slash sifted. Get yourself a bottle locally or find out how to buy a bottle online. Get a couple bottles. You're going to need one for Thanksgiving. You're going to need another for Christmas dinner because at this point, family dinners at the holidays are a little different than they used to be years ago, Matt. Yeah. And <laughs> in a pinch, it makes for a good bludgeoning weapon. <laughs> A solid bottle. <laughs> when you're when your drunk uncle who this, had that hidden bottle yeah, of vodka in this, his his corner will go right through a maga hat. I promise. <laughs> when your drunk uncle who keeps disappearing to go out to the car to drink vodka straight out of the bottle, you may need your LS cream. So again, go to creamls.com/sifted. Try to use that URL if you can. Um, and again, they have an awesome website there. You can learn how to make awesome drink recipes and in fact i don't know maybe they might update their drink recipes for the holidays to give you something special to make for thanksgiving or christmas get on that steve uh so anyway thanks again to alice cream for sponsoring game face it's very important to us and we appreciate them very much and with that it's time to get on with the show proper we're going to start out by talking about a game that some of you may not care that much about but we're not going to talk about it all that much uh, we're going to talk about Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3. Last week we talked about the campaign. The um, lowest rated Call of Duty at this point of all is, time. It is, yeah. Which has also, as, as I was told, has outsold all of Final Fantasy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You no one cares. We don't, they talk don't about, care. Talk about a, a review proof Re- game. It is review proof. Absolutely. Call of Duty. Um, and I would also say that it is not as bad as Ghosts. <laughs> Ghosts still, to me, stands far and away as the worst Call of Duty ever. Um, but for whatever reason, it does feel like there's a little bit of a piling on going on. I am a little unclear. Not that I've paid a huge amount of attention to it. I'm a little unclear as to why it's been dinged so hard. I think a when part Ghost of it, really was bad. It was. Like, yeah. bad. Oh, yeah. Like, terrible. Like, I did not finish the campaign in Ghost. Yeah. I got, like, three quarters of the way through it, and I was like, F this. This is awful. Like, this is forgettable, but not terrible. Um, but I think there's at least a little bit of this has something to do with Microsoft buying and now owning Call of Duty, and there might be some PlayStation fans mm-hmm. who are a little it. salty I about mean, that. Feel, it feels a little more related to the fact that nobody feels like it's a full game. That could be. But I've, I've, never, think... I've never seen so many campaign and multiplayer people agree on a yeah. Call of Duty before. Well, look at the lower third there. It says Moneymaker. And the reason it says Moneymaker is because nobody buys this game for the campaign. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nobody buys it for the every it's so funny how people who don't play call of duty are freaking out about the campaign in this what they're not getting is that nobody buys it for the campaign the campaign is like the second layer of icing on top of the cake i did you buy it for the campaign well, you did i haven't bought it in many to. many years right but there's a certain point where it just wasn't worth it anymore. right and no and to this point and to your point there is even less of you now because they've all learned the lesson. They're like, it's not worth 70 bucks for a five to eight hour campaign. It's not. I don't disagree with that at all. That's absolutely accurate. However, why people buy Call of Duty is for the other stuff. They buy it for the multiplayer. They buy it for the zombies. They buy it for Warzone, although Warzone is free technically. Um, yeah, but even the people that buy it, all the people that buy it for that have been like, this doesn't feel like a full update. So we'll get into that. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about all the other modes in Modern Warfare 3. We're going to talk about multiplayer. We're going to talk about zombies. And we're going to talk about another mode called War 
that ended up being like surprisingly good and something that oh. I found myself playing. So more. It is good for something. Yes. Yeah. Um, now, to people War. saying the Come multiplayer, on. you got it. <laughs> people saying the multiplayer isn't a full game. I don't know where that's coming from because it brings in. Maybe I think actually, maybe I, I do. I think know. people are just getting that weird that feeling from the fact that all of the last game's weapons are in there when you first jump in. That's what I think it is. I think people are saying, "Oh, well, they're just rehashing all this content," but they well, they are. But they're allowing you to bring your weapons and your unlocks from last year's game into this game. But there's still a ton of new guns. And in fact, one of the most annoying things to me about the multiplayer in Modern Warfare 3 is that the gun that is clear and away, far and away, the best gun in the game by like several magnitudes. And everybody who's good at this game is using the same gun. You don't unlock it until level 44. And so right now you have all the people who this is their life. And it really is sad. Some of these people that Call of Duty is their entire life that, you know, they hit 44, like on the second day that they had it or whatever. Those people are running around just murking folks with this gun. It's called like the MKP or the MKC or something like that. I haven't even uh, unlocked it yet. But the point is, is there are plenty of new weapons in this beyond what you unlocked in Modern Warfare 2 and transferred over to this game. There are tons of them. Whether you like them or not, that's, I mean, I'll be honest with you, I haven't, I've yet to find a new gun in this that I really like. So I have been leaning on the guns that I had unlocked in the prior game because I unlocked them all in the prior game. So I have a bigger selection from the prior game than I do from the new one. Um, but I can't understand why some people might just assume, well, if all the weapons are coming from last year's game, what work did they, they did do work. There's plenty of new weapons. Now, I think more likely, Matt, what might be causing people to feel this way is that literally all the maps at launch are old maps. There is not a single new map in this game at launch. There are 16 classic maps in this game. And the first thing I'll say, having now spent a week, basically, playing through all these old maps is they don't need to make any more maps. <laughs> they really don't. Like, these maps, some of them are like 11, 12 years old. A lot, most of them are. And they're better than the maps that they created for the new game last year. Because at a certain point, like, you reach the law of diminishing returns with designing maps for shooters. Like, once you have, like, a bunch of symmetrical ones, you have a couple asymmetrical ones you've managed to balance well, because that's hard to do, you're kind of set. Like You had a weapon pro tip there from Erebus Jones. Um, what is that? You can unlock weapons straight away using zombie. Pick the MCR as your starting weapon at zombies, then start a level, then extract. Ding, you've unlocked the weapon for MP. Oh, wow. Thank you very much. I should have picked up on that myself, actually, having played zombies. But I did not. Uh, because the problem is, is that zombies is different this time. It is, you have to get out. Mm -hmm. So you finish missions, and you have to get and extract, and that's how you earn your stuff. I'll, I'll get the zombies. Let me, let me stay on multiplayer for now. Um, but thank you for the pro tip, Erebus Jones. I will try that when I get home. And I'm guessing you're using that same weapon that everybody else is using as well. Um, so the maps are all old maps. But that's fine. They're great maps. Like, there's a reason they brought them back. It's because they're good and they're balanced and they're fun. And there's more than one, like, choke point in each of the maps. So I can understand why veterans of Call of Duty may be playing this. And they're like, man, I'm playing these maps from all these years ago. And that's all there is. I get that. But they're good maps. And they make for good matches. So I can understand why at first they may say, oh, it's just a bunch of recycled maps. But I struggle to believe that after they've played this game for a week that they're, like, still saying, oh, these old maps. Because the maps are really good and 
New maps are coming. They're going to be released as DLC, though I will admit there should have been at least a handful of new maps at the release. So I can understand in some respects why people are complaining. Um, oh, and, we got some Call of Duty Ghosts behind the scenes. Um, what? From Shore F. Um, Shore F. So for Ghosts, we, oh, someone worked on it. Yeah. We were already four months into the year with Modern Warfare 3 DLC cycle. The entire studio sent a note and asked people who want to contribute to narrative come over. We all join and pitch levels that might be cool. High Moon also had four cool missions in space created already, two properly done, no cohesive structure. That's why the entire game is, to, is so disjointed. That makes complete sense. Mm -hmm. It all makes complete sense. Uh, Don Lionheart, thank you for Twitch Prime, by the way. Um, sure, oh, Infinity Ward did, did have that dog thing at the time. Oh, that's sure. right. Yeah, that's right. The dog thing. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Another element of yeah, Call of Duty that disappeared. Yeah, they don't make you kill dogs anymore. <laughs> My big complaint about this Call of Duty is that I feel like I'm still playing last year's game. Mm -hmm. Like, as far as the gameplay is concerned, it's pretty much identical. You still have all the same traversal mechanics. You still have the slide cancel. I will say this. The feeling of running in this, they managed to nail again. Like, last year's game, I thought that they lost it. In this one, again, you can feel when you're running being propelled by each foot i don't know how to explain it if you have headphones on it's even more convincing but the propulsion in this feels like crazy realistic and they had nailed it like a couple games ago it went away for last year's game they've brought it back for this so i will say that like the running and stuff like that does feel a little bit better than last year's game but otherwise it feels like you're playing the same game and say all you want about the cycle of Call of Duty where one year they have Sledgehammer making it, the next year they have Treyarch making it, the next year they have Infinity Ward making it. The truth of that is that they all feel different and they play differently. They feel differently to play. For example, I like Treyarch's games the best. I feel like they, they, they feel the best as far as the traversal, the gunplay feels the best. I can play the games from the other guys, but to me, Treyarch's games feel the best to play. I always preferred Infinity Wards, but I don't think Infinity Ward is really Infinity Ward It's not Ward the same anymore, thing anymore. So yeah. I, I will say, I always know when I'm playing the Sledgehammer ones. Right. Yeah. And that's not really a compliment. It's not for me either. Um, and this is like two of them in a row. And so I do not like the way the gunplay felt in last year's game. I do not like how the gunplay feels in this year's game either, honestly. Um, and so that's a huge minus for me. But look... You may be completely different. You may hate how Treyarch's games feel. Right, even I know this map. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's Favela. Everybody yeah. knows this map. Um, so, look, it's, it could just be a difference of opinion. I'm just telling you for me personally, like, I like the idea that every year the games feel a little different. And I can see it in my data as far as, like, my KD. Like, sir, I'm better at Treyarch's games for whatever reason. My KD in Treyarch's games is always at least 1.5. My KD in this game right now is, like, a 1.2. The, my KD in last year's game was 1.2. And and that may play into it. I'm not as good as these, so maybe I dislike it. I think that's human nature and typical for a lot of people. Um, what is that but my doing? Big, but my big complaint, I don't know. <laughs> my big complaint really, though, is that they feel identical. And so it doesn't feel like the game has turned the page in the multiplayer. It feels like I'm playing the same thing with new maps. Like, And technically, I guess that's what this game was supposed to be. It was originally supposed to be yeah. just an expansion for Modern Warfare 2. I mean, and that's pretty much what's going to happen if you turn this into a platform. Yeah, this is what it's going to be like. And I will not be a fan of that, Matt. I'm just telling you right now, if they do turn Call of Duty into a platform, I hope they pick Treyarch as a platform. Because otherwise... I I'm, can't imagine you'd do otherwise. I don't know. 
I mean, I don't think Black I mean, Ops sells if better. If you're gonna make me right, but I mean, I don't, even the people that didn't like Black Ops or didn't. But I mean, I, I don't. I can't imagine you're in the minority of modern Call of Duty fans when you say you prefer how Treyarchs feel. Yeah, maybe, I don't know. Honestly, I just know for me that's how I feel. And the other thing too is that cheating is already horrible in this game. I've tried everything. I've tried turning off crossplay because it's more likely to happen with PC play. It doesn't matter. PlayStation players are cheating just like the PC players are. It's gross. Um, and it's obvious. It's like when, when you watch the, the kill cam and the guy knows where you are and they don't have an APC, or I'm sorry, they don't have like the radar, then you know they're cheating. Or like you come up behind somebody and they turn around and shoot you in the face like mm-hmm. when you're creeping and they can't hear your footsteps, like you know they're cheating. Like it's very easy if you play a lot of Call of Duty to know when someone's cheating and people are cheating like MFers in this game already. It's awful. So that's a huge complaint. I don't know how they ever fix that. I don't know how they're ever going to fix it, Matt. I really don't. I, I don't know what they can do to fix it. They've tried. Like they have this thing now where like if someone's cheating, they can cut their... their uh their parachute in Warzone and make them fall to the ground and splat. Like, they're trying, so I will give them credit for that. I don't know how you fix it. When people can plug dongles into their USB ports on their console and have an aimbot and wall hacks, like, I don't know how you fix it. That's so much effort to, like, just be a dick. It is. It's, it's, I don't, I'll never understand cheaters because if your goal is like, okay, maybe someday I want to be a professional player, you're gonna, you're a fraud. It's not going to matter in the end. And nobody cares if you're Joey B69420 and you got like 50 kills and two deaths. No one cares. No one will remember you. In fact, I will ban your ass. I will make sure I never play with you again. I'll never understand cheating, Matt. We'll never understand it. I don't know what people get out of it. I just, it's pointless. I mean, to some degree, making people mad like that. I guess. Um, some people are dig, dig that. Some people just like, I don't know can't take the 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 sting of failure i don't know i don't know the other thing i don't like about this is that there's instead of a pick 10 it's a pick five you can only add five attachments to your gun now it does it changes things because it makes you think well do i want this it like you no know, lowers the recoil or do i want to be able to hip fire fast it makes you make choices but you had to do that with the pick 10 system too so i'm not sure i understand the idea behind why they've decided to do pick five after having picked 10 for like a decade and a half. I don't know why, but I'm not a fan of that either. So the bottom line really is I was not a huge fan of Modern Warfare 2's multiplayer. It was the least I had played a Call of Duty. Like I stopped playing Call of Duty back in February or March this year. Normally I play it all the way until the next one comes out. And so my thing is I didn't like Modern Warfare 2's multiplayer and this is basically identical to it. So... I'm not going to like this either, unfortunately. It's just too similar. Um, I do enjoy going back and playing through the maps. It has been a nostalgia trip, Matt. Because it's like when I first start playing these maps again, I don't remember anything about them. And then as I start running around, I start remembering, oh, yeah, this is where I used to sit. Or this is the area that I would troll. And this is where I would put my claymores in case someone's trying to come up from behind me and shoot me from behind. It all just starts clicking back together. I start to remember everything. And I will say this, you know, I managed to hit the ground running a lot more quickly in this Call of Duty. One, because I got to use the gun I played with last year. And two, because all the maps are maps that I've literally played hundreds and hundreds of times. So I think it's like a double-edged sword 
uh, the familiarity. Like some people may like it that they know all the maps and they have a gun that they use for how many ever hours they played last year or whatever. I prefer things to change up a little bit year over year. So I think your mileage will vary um, on the design of this, but I don't hope. I do hope that this is not how it keeps going forward. I hope next year we get a brand new Call of Duty that looks in place and feels at least a little bit different from these last two games. Now let's talk about zombies because zombies has had a huge. <laughs> Speaking of things that don't change and keep shambling on until this year mm -hmm. it is a huge change now i remember people were bagging on me for not thinking the campaign was terrible because i don't play warzone so they were like playing a campaign and they're like this is the warzone map i had no idea it's just a big open world to me because i don't play warzone so i can understand why some people are like wait a minute they're reusing this environment for a campaign mission where to me i was just like i've never seen this area before but Zombies, there's no denying that there has been a huge, huge change. So typically, zombies mode, how it works is you're kind of trapped in this very confined area. A lot mm. of times just in a building or whatever. And there's this whole mechanic of you like nailing up the boards on the windows and fortifying the building that you're in. All of that is gone. Zombies is now 100% set in an open world. And I think some people may argue, I don't know personally because I don't play Warzone, some people may argue that the, this mode is also set in a Warzone map. I don't know. I believe it is. It probably is, but I don't know because I don't play Warzone. It's a it's the DMZ map. Is it? I think. Yeah. Okay. Well, again, like done up like it's Halloween. Basically. I played Warzone enough last year to talk about it, basically, to know what it was like, so we could talk at least mm -hmm. explain to people what it was. Yeah, I don't know what the DMZ map is. That's just the tweets I saw. Okay. Um, well, okay. Then it does maybe take place on on one of the maps for Warzone, I don't really care because what matters to me is that the way that it plays is completely changed. So it is a big open world that you're plopped down in. And the first thing you need to do is you need to go to your tack map and you need to look for these aqua icons. Now, Vincent says DMZ is the extra extraction shooter mode. Yeah, but that's Warzone. That's War, yeah. That is Warzone. Uh, but anyway, this is in an open map and you open up your tack map and you'll see these icons, these little aqua like walkie talk and the first thing you need to do is ping it. So I think you tap up on the D-pad to ping it. And then it will show, and you can see here, it will show you a waypoint in the actual game world that you run to. And as you can see, I ran to this waypoint. Once you get there, look, it's this thing that I need to activate. And you activate it. Once you activate it, that basically initiates a horde mode around oh, that area. Here come the sandworms. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then you just basically, you don't even, the crazy part though is that like, you don't even have to defend this point. Like at first I thought I did. I'm like, oh, I probably have to stay within like a hundred yards of this thing or whatever and mow down. You don't, you can just run away. In fact, you can just go to one of the other waypoints on the map and activate that if you want to. Um, and so it's completely freeform. You're not trapped. Those mechanics, as far as like boarding up, like the windows, those are all gone. They're, those aren't even in the game anymore. And they've been replaced with, Things that you can, like wrenches that you can collect that you can use to fix stuff. Like you can use a wrench to fix a vehicle. And then all of a sudden you have this vehicle that you can use to roll around the map and run over the zombies with it. You can use it to fix turrets. And now all of a sudden, right next to one of those points that you activate, you have a turret that you can use to just sit there and just mow them down. Like it changes everything about zombies, about how it plays, how you look at it, how the, str the strategies that you use while you're playing it. And again, as I said, when it's all done, you can try as many missions as you want. It's a little bit like like a DMZ, actually. You can try to complete as many missions as you want before you extract, but if you die before you get extracted out, you lose all the stuff that you've collected. And that is a little frustrating, I will admit. Um, 
there's a couple of times where I completed like three objectives and then like my partners just left hmm. and I died. And there are revives and you can even like call in people like over the network to come into your game and revive you. That never happened. Like I sat there one time for like five minutes and nobody ever showed up to revive me. Um, so there are just major tweaks to this mode. It makes it completely different from how it is how it has been in the past. Now the question is, is it better? Because it's undoubtedly been changed, but have they improved it? I think that's a taste thing. Like I've never been a huge fan of the zombies mode. Have you? No. Like I just found it to be too difficult and mm -hmm. like you just were dying constantly and it relied too much on your teammates. I'll say this. This also relies a lot on teammates. Like, if you get trapped somewhere and your teammates just bail, you're dead. There's really nothing you can do to save yourself if you're inside. Um, and so it, it's completely changed how you play the game. But is it better? Like, I think that the old style of zombies was more frenetic. But it was also harder. Mm -hmm. So each session for me would last like five minutes and then it's like, oh, now we got to go back into the browser and match make with everybody again and get a good game and hope that you get good players playing with you. In this, it's not as dire. Like, in fact, there are times where like my partners just ran off and were like repairing vehicles or repairing turrets or whatever else while I was actually kind of following the missions and they just show up. Like after they get their truck, they'd roll in with their truck, run over a couple a couple zombies and be like, hey, what's up? Like it's just more free form. And, and in that way, for me, I think I did find it to be a little more fun than the more traditional. Like you're trapped in the house, board up the windows, up oh, they're coming in the back door, get to the bed. That is a little more frenetic and frantic. There's no doubt about it. But I enjoyed the more strategic, more laid back version that you get with this open world zombies. So and event, look, eventually they're throwing bosses at you, like real bosses, like monsters that are like two stories high and you're fighting those cooperatively. Sometimes as you can see here, they just send like high powered agents in to get you. And I'll say this too, like some of that stuff happens. <laughs> oh yeah, I literally kick his ass. <laughs> and I'll say that something too, some of the emergent stuff in this game, in this mode is a little too emergent. Like those dudes just showed up out of nowhere with shields, shot me once and killed me. And then I look over, I'm like, oh, come and say it. And they shot the other guy one time and killed him. So I think there's some balancing that needs to be done and how they introduce enemies and things like that. Like sometimes you know what you're getting into. Sometimes you come up to a walkie-talkie, it'll tell you like, hey, this is going to start a boss fight. And that's good because you know to prepare. But sometimes you start these and next thing you know, you're just inundated with a bunch of high level like humans, not zombies that come into the map. And you're like, holy crap, I need to get out of here. Um, and then there's, there's just a lot more that you can do in this. Like you can just climb to the top of a high building with a sniper rifle and just have fun sniping zombies all over the map. It feels a little more like zombie movies, I guess is a good way to put it. Like where you can escape for a while and find a safe spot and snipe a few of them and then get back down on the ground and get in a vehicle. It just feels a little more realistic than the zombies mode that's been in, in the game prior. <laughs> he says as a zombie throws fireballs at him. This is the one of the bosses yeah. here. This is one of the bosses that I just triggered that you fight. <laughs> and the crazy thing, if you watch this little clip here, he goes after my partner and leaves me alone. And I feel so bad for the guy. He just acts like I don't even exist. And he just starts terrorizing the other guy that I'm playing with. Um, and I just keep shooting him and throwing grenades at him while he's going after my partner or whatever. But again, like this is something that never would have happened in the old zombies modes. So I guess what I would say is, if you liked the old zombies modes, you may not like this. Because it is a huge departure from what you're used to playing these modes. Um, it's 
less strategic, less strategic in some ways and more strategic in other ways. But I think what's most most important and the biggest change really is that you can get a reprieve. Like you're, it's not just nonstop, like gripping your controller as tight as possible because, oh, here comes the next wave and I have 15 seconds to run around to these gumball machines and get all these power-ups and stuff. Like that stuff is still part of the game. Like, mm-hmm. like weapons, for example, like eventually you can run out of weapons and yet then you have to find one in the environment. Like you, you can load out with just your fist sometimes because you start out, you have like four or five weapons, but you play a few rounds and if you die, you lose those weapons. Um, and there are designations, like, I can't remember what the word is. There's a term that they use that were basically, like, you'll never lose that weapon even if you die. So there's certain weapons that you can integrate that way. And as you can see, like, a lot of the power-ups, they just appear out in the world. Like, after you kill a zombie, they'll drop a power-up. Like, you just saw right there. It was, like, basically insta-kill or whatever. Uh, sometimes you get, like, crazy shields. Um, this is what dropped when we killed the boss. Like, this crate, you got a weapon for killing the boss. Um... So just, and again, there's chests everywhere where you can get new weapons um, and power-ups and things like that. It's just, a, it's completely different from the old zombies modes. And as someone who didn't like the old zombies modes, I enjoyed this a great bit. Um, now, aside from multiplayer and zombies, you also have the ground war, which is basically Call of Duty's take on Battlefield. So you have huge maps with vehicles and basically either sniper, you get your ass kicked. <laughs> That's pretty much how it is. It's just like Battlefield where you run for like two miles because all the vehicles are gone. You finally get into the action and some dude on top of a building snipes you in the head and kills you. And you have to go back and run all over again. Very much the same. However, there is another mode. I'm going to jump forward in the B-roll here so we can get to it. If I can find it. These are still zombies. You see there's flaming zombie dogs as well that eventually show up. Um, There's another mode. This is still zombies. If I can get to it. Here we go. So there's another mode that's called War. And war, I guess the best way I could describe it is Call of Duty's attempt at Overwatch. But really what it is, is it's like a three-part mission where one side attacks, the other side defends. And basically when it starts, you have like these nodes that you need to protect and while they count down or whatever. And then in the middle, you get a tank or either you're on the other side and you need to stop the tank. And basically the tank very much like overwatch moves through the map and if you're on the side of the tank you need to move along with the tank and defend the tank while the other team tries to stop the tank and then if you make if the tank gets all the way to its destination these hatches open up and you go underground and then underground there are these stations that where they're trying to detonate missiles and either you're on the side that's trying to detonate and you're trying to defend them from the other team or you're the other team and you're trying to hit the button and then defend it while the counter counts down to launch the missile. So basically war is like this three part mission based mode that you play against other teams. And it's a ton of fun. I had a blast playing this mode. Um, It does feel, I'll say this, if you care about your KD, I would not play this mode because if you're on the team that does not have the tank, you're going to end up with like five kills and like 30 deaths. It's just the way it is. Because a tank is one shot, one kill, and you're trying to just poke your head around. You can see in this B-roll, like, you just die over and over and over again. But eventually, you end up on the side of the tank. Now, whether you're the gunner or not depends on whether your KD is going to even out. Because if you're not the gunner in the tank, you're just running around alongside the tank hoping to not get shot, basically. And it's really hard to get those kills back that you lost when the other team had the tank. So... I had a lot of fun playing the mode. It did crush my KD. Like my KD was like 1.3 something. And after I played like several rounds of this, it was down to like a 1.2 or whatever. 
Um, so if you're real picky about your KD, I mean, you might want to proceed with caution. But I had a ton of fun playing this mode. Um, it kept keeps you on I'm your surprised toes. Surprised they don't keep different KD stats for the different modes. Yeah, it all transfers over. The other thing I would say too that some people may like or not like is that no matter what mode you play in the entire multiplayer suite, it all builds to the same account. So if you unlock a weapon while you're playing zombies or you unlock a weapon while you're playing war, you can use that weapon in the traditional multiplayer if you want to and vice versa. Everything you unlock in multiplayer transfers over to zombies, transfers over to war mode, um, transfers, transfers over to ground war as well. So you're only ever unlocking one set of things. I honestly don't know which approach is better, Matt. Like KD, I can see your point. Like maybe they should have separate KDs for each maybe match type. But the other stuff, like, I think it may be better that it all unlocks together and you just have this one arsenal that you can use across all the different modes. But anyway, getting back to that lower third, Moneymaker, this is the stuff that causes people to buy Call of Duty. And, like, people saying the game is small or incomplete, that's insane. Like, you start diving into this other stuff in these modes and you realize the work that goes into this stuff. Like, this isn't just, like, copy and paste, snapping it together stuff. Like, this is things that they work on that takes time. So... I feel like the narrative around this game, I just feel like there's a whole lot of piling on in general. I can understand the criticisms of the campaign a little more than the multiplayer, but bottom line is if you enjoyed Call of Duty multiplayer last year, you're going to love this. All your stuff transfers over. There's already 16 new maps. If you're younger than me and you didn't play these maps when they came out, that's 16 brand new maps. And not only that, they're awesome maps. So I could understand maybe somebody like me who's real old, you know, in their 40s or whatever, and they've been playing Call of Duty for like 17 years at this point, where they might say, this feels like a little bit of a rehash. But if you're not that person, I don't know. This feels like there's a ton of content in it to me. Um, again, I personally don't like how the shooting feels. I didn't like it last year. I don't like it in this year's game either. I don't like all the cheating that's in the game. I don't know what they can do about that. But as far as content is concerned, this game has a ton of content. And if you play this game for... 100 hours every year or 200 hours or 300 hours however long these people play it like it's got all that stuff so if you're someone who buys call of duty every year and the campaign to you is icing on the cake which it is for me typically like i would never base buying call of duty or not on the campaign if you're that kind of person this game has tons of content it's probably going to keep you busy if you like the shooting from last year which i do not but if you do this is going to keep you busy all year long like they haven't even released a new map yet and they're going to start coming out. There's going to be a new map or two pretty much every month, all year long, until next year. Um, so I, I feel like the arguments of, oh, it's like light on content. It doesn't have this, I think it's a bunch of malarkey. So I've enjoyed my time with it. I can, but I already can see that I'm starting to wane a little bit on it. And this is probably going to be just like last year where I play it until like February or something like that. And I finally lose interest and I just move on to other stuff. I'll be honest with you, this year, stopping playing Call of Duty like in February, I kind of liked it. <laughs> it opened my my eyes and my mind to other games and other multiplayer games that I might be interested in. I played a lot more multiplayer games this year than I usually do because I wasn't playing Call of Duty all year long when I had spare minute 30 minutes here, or spare 45 minutes there, or spare 15 minutes. That's typically when I play Call of Duty. But I replaced that, that time I filled with other games this year and it was kind of refreshing. So... Don't listen to the haters, and there's a lot of haters out there. I'm not going to try to figure out and read their minds and figure out why they're hating on this game. I feel like a lot of people who are hating on it never even played it. <laughs> Seriously. I think there's a lot of piling on going on with this game right now. So if you play Call of Duty for multiplayer or zombies, 
I don't think you're going to be disappointed with Modern Warfare 3. Um, Cinetai says, if you play any game for 200 hours, that probably means you enjoy it right. Um, yeah, I mean, you have to enjoy it at least a little bit. But I do think, like, even for me personally, with Call of Duty in the past, I do feel like I have used it as, like, a, I wouldn't say a crutch, but a tool to fill some of the quiet moments in my life. Honestly, like where I don't feel like just sitting there in silence or whatever, I play Call of Duty instead. Does that mean that I really loved it? I don't know. But one thing that Activision always says, and the developers of this game always say, is one of the most important things that they have to do every year is make sure that when another ma when a match ends, the next match starts very quickly. And they do it every time. And it just keeps you hooked in. It's like, even if you have a bad round, it's like, by the time you think to yourself, like, ah, oh, maybe I should stop. Oh, the match has started. Like... It's very powerful and very important and something that I feel like most shooters have still not figured out. I play all these other shooters or just multiplayer games in general and you sit there for like 30 seconds waiting for the game to load or to matchmake or whatever. A lot of times that's when I quit playing. So Call of Duty's figured that part out and it's no different in Modern Warfare 3. Um, Tiny Blip in History says, to be honest, I enjoy watching Modern Warfare 3. Interesting. I mean, it is a pretty good looking game. I'll say this, the detail like even in like the furthest corners of the map in some little nondescript building where if you look at the heat maps like no combat ever happens like you go in there it's still loaded with crap mm -hmm. like i would say i would take less detail in the maps and the objects in the maps less clutter to improve the overall look of the game more is what i would say um, and they could do that if they wanted to. They could dedicate those polygons to other things that you focus on more instead of this room that no one ever goes into where there's all this stuff hidden inside there. And now I get with occlusion calling. They're not necessarily drawing that stuff with the engine. But if you look at these buildings, there's clutter all around the buildings as well. Like, I feel like I could cut that down and make the character models and some of the other stuff look a little better. Um, I would make that decision, but I'm not the one making Call of Duty. Um, let's see if you guys have anything else to say. Um, people complain over 70 bucks. Maybe they will be happy for 40. I don't know what he's talking about there. Maybe saying that the game should have cost 40. Or that they'll be happy when it's 40 later and they buy uh, it. When it's a platform. Yeah. Okay. Um, Cinetype says, I never did get Call of Duty. I tried some, but never felt anything special about it. I mean, if you don't like shooters in general, you're never going to like Call of Duty. I mean, I don't know if you do or you don't. Um, but if you don't like shooters, then obviously Call of Duty is never going to be your thing. It's just not. Because that's literally pretty much all you do. Unless you play Warzone or you play Big Team Battle where there's a little bit more vehicle stuff going on. Uh, but for the most part, it's a shooter. You're going to be shooting most of the time. But I think most people have figured that out. Like, I don't like shooters. I'm probably not going to like Call of Duty. Uh, let's see if you guys got anything else in here before we move on. Uh, Zet Saber Juno, force players to input their social security number as a deterrent, just similar to what South Korea does for RPGs. Mm. That will never happen in America. <laughs> uh, the Abrams says, is cheating like a huge black market industry? Now it is, yeah. In fact, like there were like ads all over the internet and social media for the cheat stuff for Modern Warfare 3 during the beta. There were people cheating during the beta. So yes, it has turned into a cottage industry of idiots. <laughs> it's crazy. Again, I have no idea what they think they get at, what they think they're getting out of it. But anyway, so there you go. That's Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3. We tackled the campaign last week. Now we've tackled all the multiplayer stuff this week, and now we can turn the page. All right, next up. We're going to talk about a game that is a throwback in some ways. Mm -hmm. um, did it feel like a throwback while you were playing it, Matt? 
not really, because this is the version I prefer. Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with the turn the turn based version. Yeah. Uh, this is what Yakuza is to me. Yep. The game we're going to talk about is Like a Dragon, The Man Who Erased His Name. Um, it is a throwback Yakuza game in that it's a beat-em-up, pack-and-slash, whatever you want to call it. Um, the the new games, which are called Like a Dragon, are turn-based RPGs now, which is mm-hmm. odd. Um, but at the same time, like playing this game was a reminder to me why the combat doesn't really matter. Because it really is all about the characters and the story mm-hmm. And the really long script and the and at really this point, long it's just like Kiryu, Kiryu is an action-based beat-em-up, and the new guy is a turn-based RPG. Pretty I mean, much. Just, yeah. I mean, this takes place at the same time as Yakuza 7. Mm-hmm. Like a Dragon 7. Yep. Whatever you want to call it. Well, it's set between Yakuza 6 and Like a Dragon, right? And during It, like, like bridges the gap between yeah, the two It basically games. explains where Kiryu went yeah. during that period. Because at the end of Yakuza 6, Kiryu fakes his death. Um, gets shot at the end, uh, and and fakes, they show that in this yeah, too. And fakes his death to ma- basically so that he's no longer causing problems for his family and his and Haruka and the orphanage and everything. Like he figures, if he's dead, the orphanage, if he's dead, people will stop trying to take revenge on him and all the people related to him. And he spends, I think, three years. Um, ba- he spends three years basically in a monastery. Uh, surprisingly nearby <laughs> in Tokyo um, to... Uh, it's like Osama bin Laden. Yeah. Ultimately, he was hiding in plain sight the whole time. And he's working for... Um, uh, he's working for not a Yakuza faction, but a faction who's uh, like a shady government like party, basically, mm-hmm. uh, who that has him do odd jobs a few times every year. And um, this basically tells the story of... Um, one of those odd jobs going a little sideways. Yeah. Um... Because people figure out who he is at some point. Yeah, he's operating as an agent for the Daidoji faction yeah. under was, the codename Yoryu. Yoryu, yeah. <laughs> Which he, he is, uh, so that they were in Six, like they were the main antagonists in Six or one of the antagonists in Six, that you never really quite figured out who they were. Yeah. and But they went after Kiryu because he figured out, basically it was a, it was a, it was a ship construction scam. Yeah. This, this uh, series is so not, weird. No, no real estate, no real estate scam in six. It was a, it was a ship construction scam that went back to the Second World War, where they the, the one of the head of the of the faction basically was was had his hand in all the ship construction stuff for the war effort, and secretly had them build an extra warship for him <laughs> and hid it for years as sort of like an extra platform where he did like shady stuff. Yeah. I, and, how do they come up with this Kiryu, stuff? Like, a lot of that stuff is actually real like, stuff real, that happened. And some of it's just stuff from like weird Yakuza movies. Uh-huh. Uh, the, the Yakuza Papers is a huge in the series. That series is a huge influence on this. Uh, the first Yakuza Papers movie uh, um, um, was it uh, uh, Thugs. The battles without honor or humanity. Um, that is uh, the that's where the music that plays in Kill Bill comes from. No, oh. uh, yeah, yeah. Like that's from that movie. Oh. and the title of that movie of that song is "Battles Without Honor or Humanity," which is the title of the actual movie. It came, like, oh, they, they wow. stole it from. Um, so that that's a huge influence on things. Yeah, and and this this series it's also an influence. That's a series and and movies like it. Um, 
uh, like Graveyard of Honor and stuff are big influences on how the Japanese public perceives the Yakuza. Mm-hmm. So it's a whole lot of layers of nonsense. Sort of like what we are with the Italian Mafia. Yeah. It's like the Godfather and Goodfellas influence a lot of how we see it, even whether it makes any sense or, or not. not. Yeah. Um, now that's cinema. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so basically he's doing this, this uh, these odd jobs for them and, and a bunch of people figure out who he is because let's face it, He's rather singular looking. Yeah. He um, also can like whoop like 20 dudes asses yeah. like, at once. Which and he doesn't back down <laughs> from it. It's just sort of, he's like, he's like, you sure you want to do this? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I, I do old man. Cause he is like, it's funny that like, you know, old man in, in anime is basically, are you over 24? Right. Yeah. You're, you're, you're old man. Well you're old man. Yeah. But Kiri's about 51 <laughs> in this game. Is he 51? Yeah. He was born in 68. Okay. And this takes place in, I think, 2019. Yeah, it does. Um, And he, so he's 51 here. Wow. And which he's is still an ass kicker, which is why after a lot of the, the still sc- scooping up the ladies after the club lets out. Well, he's the bodyguard here. <laughs> right. But after, but after a lot of the story fights, the cutscene after shows him out of breath. Uh-huh. It does never, actually. Which You're right. Never done before. Oh, interesting. He's always been basically nice little touch there. Invin- I mean, he still is like 0.5 percent body fat or something. Yeah. But you know, he's 51, so he can't do this forever anymore. Yeah. Um, well, basically, what happens is he starts also, the man's working been smoking with since he was three. Yeah, and still is so, smoking. Yeah. But anyway, he's working for the Daidoji crew, and as it turns out, one of his leaders, Hanawa, gets kidnapped. Well, they try to kidnap him mm. first. And Who's his sec- handler? Handler, yeah. yeah they, who they kidnap mainly because he's Kiryu's handler. Right, yeah. Like, as always, Kiryu is the central figure of interest for all of Japan. Right, yeah. Like, <laughs> Well, they end up kidnapping his handler. And the way the game, the structure works is, like, you, you're at the dojo with the handler. He briefs you on what's going on, what missions you need to accomplish or whatever. Then you go out and accomplish a mission, and then you come back to the dojo again, rinse and repeat over and over again. In between the middle there, you might get like these little sections where you go into this like pseudo-open world and do Shenmue shit, well, basically. Once you, get, once you get to the... Um not the Yokohama stuff, which is early on, where mm-hmm. you're sent out to do that. But once you get to... Um, what's this? It's... Um, uh, you go back down to Okinawa, basically. Mm-hmm. That's where the bulk of the game takes yeah. place. Um, yeah, the, it's just the epilogue that takes place in. Yeah, the prologue is sort of in a dockside thing, and then you go to Yokohama for a while, which I think is a reused area from another one of the games. It's mm. not like they built it just for this. Yeah, although it does look very good. Like for for the Yakuza games, it looks real good. Like I was I was a little shocked at how nice some of the night scenes look yeah. because. Uh, you for, you know they stuck with the PS4 versions of things for so long that it's almost shocking to see. And this is also on PS4, mm-hmm. but it's a little shocking at times to see how nice everything looks. Well, you can see the pores on their skin and yeah. all that kind of stuff. The character models have always been ahead of the game, but the environments, I think, have finally turned the corner uh, with this and the Judgment games. Yep. Um, but he's kidnapped, and then the game just spirals from there. Yeah, everything comes on. You you get involved in stuff that involves you know the top of that faction and other factions. There's, you know, the early on one of the one of his revel, the revelations to him is that his old you know the uh, the uh, the Tojo clan, his old clan, was completely destroyed and absorbed by the Omi Alliance, uh, and they're the ones who are kind of fucking with him early on. But then it turns out they're doing that because they want him on their side for right. this other thing they're dealing with. And it's just like, could any of you people just send a fucking note? Like, it, like well, also, once everyone Hanala, has to fight him before they can right, like earn right. his respect. <laughs> he's, he's just like, no, just you could just ask me. It's yeah. cool. Like, well, then once Hanala is kidnapped, like then there's dissension inside the the Daidoji. Yeah. The one guy like ends up being a traitor. Yeah, because it turns out Hanala was actually the really nice one, right? And everyone else thought that Kiryu should be treated with way harsher. Uh, 
harsher stuff. And then, but then on top of that, it turns out that the the uh, that's this series is so good because like because <laughs> you're you looks like oh all hope is lost, and then like they all get taken out because the monk at the monastery here distracts them, and then it turns out that he used to be right. Raidoji yeah. big wig, and and he's just old and out of it now. But he brought <laughs> Hanawa into right. the thing, so he doesn't want Hanawa to die as a. It's just like yeah, of course, of course yeah. you did. Like everyone is three different people in these games. It's it's the other, so good. One thing I would say though is that like. These cinematics are way too long-winded. Like, do you watch? Do you read and watch the whole things? Oh yeah. Oh, I don't. Oh yeah. And once I get the gist of what they're saying, I, I, I jump, just start skipping. I jump through pretty fast once it's not fully voiced, but yeah. I do watch all the fully voiced stuff. I do not. After like I get the gist of what they're saying to each other, I just start skipping. It is insane. Oh no, I got I got to keep up with all the different names and who everything <laughs> is because that's all going to come back later. And there's going to be some. If you skip through it, there's inevitably going to be a, some kind of reveal like two thirds of the way through the game. You're like, I have no. Idea what that is, is. You know, yeah. it's, like, <laughs> it's just so long-winded it's yeah. like and it just cuts back from these same two camera angles for like literally and it, like yeah. 10 minutes and it's just like and someone say, say this like a long thing and then it cuts back to Kiri and he goes Ugh. yeah but it's he pauses there without saying <laughs> yeah. anything for like three because seconds that's the style all those movies <laughs> are like that too it's like this long whole thing and somebody's like or something that thing and that's like a huge speech and then something explodes and like right and right now you expect them just to be like Wakata. It's just like, it's like, it's like, oh yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, and he just walked in and he's like, yeah, I did. later on he's like, yeah, I didn't see the guy covered in tattoos with the, the yeah. Oni mask on. It wasn't part of it. And it's like, yeah, cause you fucking stood there and like looked cool for five minutes right. before you walked in and did anything. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, I don't know. The cinematics, I eventually started skipping them because it's just like, it's just so long winded and the writing isn't great. And like, I mean, they're soap operas. Yeah, that's all, they really that's all are. Is. Yeah, like, Japanese soap yeah. operas. And I really enjoy them. Like, you know, they're they're, and it's nice to have Kiryu back. He's the best. He's definitely, the, you know, not there's anything wrong with a new guy, but Kiryu is definitely the best, uh, the best main character in the series. I'm also tired though of the bad guys always using the orphanage as a way to manipulate him. Mm -hmm. It's always the the. <laughs> the wedge that they use with it. We're gonna go get the kids in the. Oh, they're yeah. getting the kids in the orphanage again. Oh, crap. It's just like you know. How are there any kids left? You know in the what mortgage? you really should have done is you should have faked the death of all the orphans. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what if, What if instead of faking your own death, you make them get the kids all adopted? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's actually mm -hmm. not a bad idea. Uh, let's talk about the gameplay a little bit. And why wouldn't Haruka and like why wouldn't Haruka and her kid be more safe with him? Right. Like the At orphanage, sure, but like, just like run it through a shell company or something. I mean, I know then you don't have the drama and all that. I'm waiting for them to figure this out because at some point, it's like, you ridiculous. Have to, you have to let yeah. him retire. This else, this is also interesting if you've played uh, like a dragon Yakuza Seven because um, it crosses over with it. Mm -hmm. Like you, he he pops up in Yakuza Seven. And you're like, why are you working for these people? Kind of, thing. and like this explains all that, and right. you play it from the other side of it, which is pretty cool. Yep. Uh, let's talk about the actual gameplay. There are it's a beat 'em up as you've seen through the B roll. It's Yakuza. Yep. It's there are two different combat styles in the game. There's agent and dragon. You can use whichever you want, whenever you want. But to me, dragon is the one I ended up going with for the most. Dragon it seems is, like the most traditional. Dragon's Yakuza. his old style. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a Dojima Dojima Ryu thing. More damage, uh, but slower. Yeah, whereas Agent is long strings of combos. It's a little more versatile, but it doesn't do as much damage. I ended up sticking with Dragon almost entirely. Well, the thing with Agent um, is that you get the gadgets. 
Yeah, the gadgets are nice. The little like like Spidey rope is cool. Yeah, there's like a Spider-Man rope that you get that you can like wrap around people and then fling them like a hundred yeah. yards. And make them drop <laughs> weapons and stuff. It's, it's pretty. Yeah. You can only use it in specific moments, but like it's good. It's a it's a good move. Yeah, there's a spider. There's a hornet that you get where it's, someone's like a drone that assists you. Mm-hmm. There's a firefly, which is basically a cigarette bomb. But what I found is that like, I end up blowing myself up most of the yeah. time using that. Um, and then I haven't got the fourth one yet, which is called The Serpent. Have you got that yet? No. Okay. Uh, so I don't know. Well, I will know say that, that this game is much shorter than your average Yakuza game. It's, it's, it's a little bite-sized. Yeah. Um, well, you can see it in the pacing of, like, getting the gadgets and things like that. Yeah, it's still probably, like, 50 hours if you do everything. But, mm-hmm. like, the other ones are 150 hours right. if you do everything. So yeah. it's, it's a very manageable bite-sized chunk compared to some of the other. It is a Gaiden. It's a side story. Yeah, so. yeah. And then the dragon style, as we said, is a little more typical Yakuza. It's slower but more powerful. It also has like wrestling moves, like headbutts and drop kicks. Yeah, it's it's dirtier. You can you can do this stuff where you grab items off the floor and smash people with them more readily. You have to kind of set that up a little more with the Asian style. And then there's heat um, attacks. Heat attacks, the classic. Just you know, you spend your heat meter to do a horrible thing that would definitely kill someone, but somehow doesn't. Yeah, like <laughs> that's the one thing I really have a problem with in this series in general. The the enemies just have too many hit points. It's like you have to beat the living tar out of them before they're done. Like usually it not takes a problem forever. with like guys in the street, but some of the boss battles in this. Oh jeez! What also chipping? Like, some of the boss battles in this, like especially early on, are like they're not fucking around. Yeah, they're like, hard. Some of them are hard. Like, I had gotta, to fight some of them multiple times in you the beginning. Know what you're doing. And some yeah. of them, I beat them. I got. I felt like I got lucky to beat them yeah. ultimately. Well, one guy like has like multiple forms in the last form. Like one of his attacks, like you're supposed to dodge it and do the counter on him. The dodge is weird. It's like R1 and A or R1 and X. You have to be locked on to dodge. Yeah. Which has been true of all the. That's just how it is. It's just a weird Um, command to have to hit the two buttons. And the way they describe it is R1 plus X, which makes it sound like you press them both at the same time. You hold R1 to lock on and then you can dodge. Yeah. And they don't explain that very well. It really assumes you know. You yeah, play. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you're, you're what? What is this? The 14th game right. or something? <laughs> like, it's, it's, yeah, probably, yeah. Um, Although, this is a pretty good entry point, I feel like, to the series. It is. Like, I mean, there's a lot of context missing for who Kiryu is, but you can pick up who he is pretty fast. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff. All you need to really know is that he faked his death and is a complete badass, and that's about it. Yeah. Like, that's really all. Before you play, that's all you need to know. Uh, but the dragon style, you know, it, it, I had more fun with it because, I don't know, the gadgets, like, some of them felt like they worked a little janky. Like, I just didn't feel like I was in total control of them. I felt like with the dragon style, I was always in command. <laughs> I think I found the agent stuff was more useful with random mooks. Yeah. And the, uh, the dragon stuff is what I use for bosses and stuff that was tougher. Yep. The other thing, too, is that the heat actions are more potent when the dragon style as well. Yeah. And if you're fighting bosses, like, you're just waiting for that meter to fill so you can start using it. Because that's when you can mm-hmm. do the serious damage to the bosses. Um, and so, to your point, yeah, I use Dragon Cell on the bosses pretty much exclusively. Um, and then also, there's another thing you can do, like the uppercuts. You can charge your you can charge your attacks in Dragon Style by holding the button and releasing it. And the uppercut, when you do that, you can juggle enemies. If you get them up against a wall, you can just keep uppercutting them over and over until yeah, you finish them. The, the the charge belt, the charge add-on attacks in Dragon are very good. Uh, the equivalent in uh Agent is tapping the square button to add on an attack to the end of a combo, which is decent, but does not have the crowd control that Dragon does. Yeah. Um, 
Unfortunately, you're stuck with Agent for a large chunk of the beginning of the game until it unlocks the dragon. Yeah, style. you get Dragon second because Dragon is like your Yakuza style street tough thing. Like he's trying not to use that, to not give because he's still he's very dedicated to the idea that he's not Cosmic Kiryu. Right. Um, he's your which is very funny <laughs> because there's, there's a conversation at one point where he keeps saying it over and over, and the other guy's like, "I'm gonna have him kill our, our kill the guy right now if you ever if you say that one more fucking time." It's like. <laughs> We all know who you are. Like yeah. it, 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 you're the most significantly. I mean, someone what was it? Uh, someone described. I think the reset era thread on this is called "The Man Who Erased the Dragon ta- the, the, the Dragon Tattoo." No, which is very funny. <laughs> I guess that actually, it's like yeah. And as oh, you can oh, see you here, can use the you can use the Spider-Man line to grab <laughs> stuff up top, which is great because he's like solving this typical thing where he's like you're mixing between a, a soap opera where you're doing like yakuza shit and just solving random passerby's problems because yeah. because well, it's shenmue i mean there's this is yeah. the shenmue stuff basically and, i mean kiryu is also one of the compelling things about him is he's a giant like no-nonsense badass but he's also like a giant softy he is like, yeah he, <laughs> like he doesn't want anyone to be unhappy he yeah. wants to help out everywhere he can and every time he does it he teaches some kind of he teaches some kind of lesson in how traditional Japanese values are how everyone should live their lives. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's a weirdly conservative franchise yeah, in that yeah. regard. Yeah, um, There's a traditionalist element to it, um, which is also just kind of generally true of Yakuza stuff yeah. in general. But it, look, if you um, want Shenmue, here's Shenmue. Like, yeah. don't play the actual Shenmue this is, games this is what anymore. Shenmue evolved. And I know they kind of deny that connection. The, it's the obvious. Theme, but it's definitely what. Oh, it's got became. all this random stuff on the street. There's tons of mini games to play. There's all these shops that you go into and yeah. buy stuff. There's arcades you go in. And you can actually play the arcade games. Like, yeah, it is Shenmue. It's not as obsessed with like weird little shit like being able to pick things up and right. look at them and stuff. But it is definitely the playable evolution. It of cut out all Shenmue the nonsense is. from Shenmue. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you get that well, stuff here as well. Not some of it, not narratively, <laughs> not but, all but, of it. but all, gameplay wise, yes, it's a streamlined version of Shenmue yeah. with a story four times as dramatic. Yep. And this game is fifty bucks, and it's there's no physical version of this. It's no. digital only. So this yeah, is a second the, game for the first time, I think. Yeah. This set. This is the second game in as many weeks that we've talked about mm-hmm. on Game Face where there's no physical version now of the game. Now my guess is there's going to be a um, there probably will be like a limited run version of it mm-hmm. at some point. Um, have they done that with Sega before, though? I don't remember. I don't think that they have. This is the first. Uh, actually, I don't think was there. A, there wasn't. Was there a physical version of Ishin in the West? I don't think so. Oh, that, that doesn't seem right. No. I don't. I don't know. Hundred percent though. I because I generally do get the physical versions of all these games, and I don't think. I don't think I have one for Ishin. Okay. And that you're not gonna have one for this either. Probably means it doesn't exist. Yeah. Um, which again, you know, yeah. today we just published an episode of Pactor Factor today for our patrons. It's all about physical versus digital in light of Best Buy removing, you know, physical movies and music from their stores. So check that out if you're a patron. It's live right now. But um, I had fun playing this a lot like some other games I've played recently. It does feel old in some ways, a little bit of a throwback here and there. It's kind of a Starfield thing where it's like, wow, for a Yakuza game, this is really like on right. the edge. Yeah. <laughs> but for any other game, it's sort of like, oh boy, this is, yep. this is old. I did have fun with it, though. Like, I had fun exploring the, the two different uh, combat styles and trying to mm-hmm. figure out which one I liked more and getting the most out of each one of them. Um, but it does start to get a little bit repetitive pretty quickly. And if you're not really into the canon of Yakuza and like a dragon, um, some of the cinematics can drag a little bit. Um, yeah, I would argue that this is a pretty good intro if you've never played them, and it is on Game Pass. Mm-hmm. So oh, that's right. We should have mentioned that. that. Yeah. 
Um, but Yakuza Zero is still the best game in the series, and to start particularly, and it's the yeah. very beginning of yeah. the series. Conveniently, so on one hand, you could start with that and get the best game in the series. The only downside being, if you really like it, everything else is downhill from there. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. Um, but I, so this is not a bad one. I mean, I don't remember what else is on Game Pass right now in terms of this series, but this is not a bad intro. It does mm-hmm. tell, it does show you what the whole thing is about. Um, but if you can, if you've never played Yakuza, I would start with Zero because it is literally the start of the story. Yeah, yeah. And it is the best one. Yeah. Still. Yeah, which is kind of crazy to think about because that that actually wasn't the first game they made though, right? No, they, yeah. they made that they much, much later. Zero. It was the first like next-gen game they made right, at the time right. with their new engine, which then they did Kiwami 1 and 2, yeah. which were remakes of 1 and 2. But it's just, it's you, you play you switch between playing him and Mishima, who are the two best characters in the in the series. Yeah. So, like, there's no downside, no matter what you're doing. I would struggle to tell someone to buy this for 50 bucks, though. I this mean, is I a- did. But you I'm, did. I'm, but a, I'm a giant Yakuza fan. Yeah, like, it's not a question for me. For uh, average players, though, I would say forty bucks, thirty bucks. I would recommend to buy this at. Yeah, which it will be soon. pretty like, quickly. Like, Yakuza, the, the, this series goes on deep discount pretty frequently. Yeah. Um, but it, I, it's a lot of fun. It's, it just has a certain. This series just has a certain charm to it. It does. It's unique. I will say, um, I was thinking about this during this, and I was like, if 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 we weren't doing the show anymore and i could just play whatever i wanted i the first thing i would do is go back through all the yakuza games. really i would go back to zero and play everything in order in order to sort of see how it all uh-huh. unfolds together yeah um because it's been so long since i played those other ones and like they all take so goddamn long and i don't even remember what happened in four and five really. right like yeah because four and five are not great um well the other thing too is that again the cinematics in this are so long yeah. like it's like it's so much for your brain well, that, to try to remember well that also became more of a thing as they be as they became you know as they moved into the ps4 era more mm-hmm. because before that you'd get like maybe five six seven fully voiced cutscenes at major intervals in these games yeah and everything else was just text and yeah. you can burn through that text as fast as or slow you can as read, you want yeah. um and uh, as a like, whereas Yakuza Three, I remember Yakuza Three has a something like a half hour scene in the middle of the game, which is literally just people sitting in the little like tea room in the orphanage, talking about real estate scams that go back like thirty years, and it's it's the it's the complete <laughs> crux of the game, like it's the right. core of the game story. Yeah, but it's literally like a real estate scam <laughs> with just. Digital men sitting there, stone faced, telling Cutting each other from about two it. camera angles. It's, yeah, <laughs> it's a, and every once in a while they'll cut back to someone and they'll just go. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the that's franchise. Yeah, that's that's, that's it. what it is. Um, so I would, I would, uh, fans, I think sure you pick it up yeah. for fifty bucks. If you're not a fan, I think I would wait till forty, thirty-five, something along those range or along that range uh, to pick it up. But it is a good Yakuza game. That is mm-hmm. a throwback to the old style of Yakuza game and not like a dragon. And we're going to get another like a dragon game here in what? Like a month or something? So you're going to yeah, get. Yeah, the, the infinite wealth is coming. Yeah, so you'll get. Vincent says everything they've released in the West on Xbox is in on Game Pass. It's all on Game Pass. What, zero through seven ended shit. Wow, that's crazy. So that's, yeah, so go. There you go. If you want to try. Spend your 15 go, bucks go, and plow through the whole series in a month. Yeah, you couldn't, play, though. Go play Zero. You couldn't no, do you it couldn't, in a month. You could never it's do impossible. that. impossible. That, that's like a year. Yeah, it really is. We get a year worth of uh, Game Pass subscriptions out of you for that one. So there you go. That is Like a Dragon Gaiden, the man who erased his name. 
Mm-hmm. Next up, we're going to talk about a fighting game. Not just any fighting game, a Smash Brothers clone. Because, Matt, I am starting to wonder if we're going to get another Smash Brothers game. Mm-hmm. Sakurai does his little like YouTube video series. And a lot of stuff he's been saying on that, it sounds like we're not. Well, he's if, if they do, it's not going to be made by him. Yeah, I mean, it really sounds... He said before that he wasn't going to make anymore, and then he came back and did Smash Ultimate. Yeah. I think it might be legit this time. Yeah, I think... I mean, I don't think he called it Ultimate for nothing. Yeah. Like, he says right out, like, I don't know what else to do with this franchise. Yeah. And I'll be honest, as a player and a consumer, I don't know what they should do with it either. Yeah. And if you're redoing it, you're literally just redoing it to make everybody buy it again. Right, pretty much. And so enter Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl 2. It is a Smash Brothers clone that uses characters from, supposedly, all of Nickelodeon's cartoon properties. Um, First thing I will say about this, Matt, is that I don't know dick all about Nickelodeon's Mm -hmm. cartoon properties anymore. I didn't know who half of the fighters in this game are. Maybe even more than that, honestly. I was I'm like aware of most of them, but I haven't watched many of these shows. Obviously, I know SpongeBob, I know Avatar, I know Ninja Turtles. Um, I, and I'm aware of some of the others. Like I'm aware of like Danny Phantom and things and the, I didn't the know Wild Thornberries. And I've never, never seen that those shows. Or Rocco's Modern Life. I got, but I don't know them. I knew about half. Garfield being fair I knew Garfield Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles obviously Ren and Stimpy um that's pretty much it Mm -hmm. (laughs) I knew Spongebob and a couple characters from Spongebob but that's pretty much it you know Avatar I mean yeah I know him from seeing him in Mm -hmm. posters and things like that but I've never watched the show that's a great show I've heard it is yeah I've never watched it though um but there are 20 characters in the game at launch um, and each one of them has their own stage, so do the math. There's 20 stages in the game. Some stages transform mid-fight, and like there's one that like keeps dropping as you keep fighting and changing as you fight. Some of them are static. Um, I would say probably a third of the stages are actually good. The rest I either found annoying. Here's the thing for me with Smash Brothers type games, Matt. I end up killing myself more than the other pe- the people killing me. I fly off the stage all the time. And another problem that I have with these games is following my fighter. So, like, somebody lands a big hit, and, like, three different characters go flying. I can never tell which one's mine. And I just totally lose, like, my character. That happens to me in Smash Brothers too. I can never follow my character. Because they're so small, there's effects on them when they fly off. There's, like, smoke around them or whatever. I'm like, where in the hell did my character go? Next thing I know, he's fallen down to the bottomless pit, and I'm, re- and I'm like, respawning. <laughs> like... This does follow the rules of Smash Brothers. Like, instead of, like, having one health meter that you whittle down, and when the health meter's at zero, you lose. This one is all about percentages. If you take damage, your percentage goes up. The higher your percentage, the higher the chance is, if you get hit, that your character is going to fly completely off of the stage. And that's how you lose in this. You fly off the stage. Depending on the mode, you have X amount of lives, basically. Once you run out of lives, you're out of the match, and the people who still have lives continue on. It's exactly like smash brothers um again like smash brothers platforming is a part of this another thing that drives me crazy about these games they never let you assign the buttons the way you want them 
Every game I play, I want the jump button to be X or A. That's just the way it is. It should be the bottom button. That's the way I've been trained to play video games my whole life. It's like, if you want to make it triangle or Y, that's cool, but let me change it to X or A if I want to. This game does not let you set up the control configurations how you want it to. I mean, to. the first one didn't ship with voice acting. This doesn't so. have much of it, Matt. Like, it has very little. It does have Powdered Toast Man from Red and Stimpy. Like, I don't know if it's the real guy, but it does sound like him. That's probably just archive Maybe. Sound. But he does deliver a few lines, but generally there's hardly any voice acting in this at all. Um, it's very and, weird. And again, just like the last game, my biggest complaint about this is it doesn't make enough use of the IP. Like, I'm a huge Ren and Stimpy fan. I literally have every episode from the first two seasons of Ren and Stimpy memorized. I can sit here and word for word go through every episode of the first two seasons. That's how much I know when I love Ren and Stimpy. When I'm playing as Ren and Stimpy in this, I can't even tell I'm playing as them. One, they're so small, and they're like one of those two characters in one deals, kind of like the Ice Climbers in Smash Brothers. So that makes each one of them even smaller. So you can't hardly see them. And then, like, you can't see their animations. Like, I'm like, where's the flying butt pliers? Like, there's literally an episode of Ren and Stimpy where they're wrestlers, and they do fighting moves for the whole freaking episode. And, like, where are all those moves? Like... So, yeah, I feel like they've dropped the ball. I don't know a lot of these properties very well, but the ones that I do know, I feel like they do them a disservice. Well, you do have to remember that that reference is a quarter century it old. It is, I know. And they're making these for kids that watch it now. But I don't think the new Ren and Stimpy, I don't think they're making new Ren and Stimpy cartoons. There have been Ren and Stimpy things, yeah. They were bad. Like, yeah. The more recent ones were bad, and the art was all weird, and they weren't as weird and, like, LSD'd out like the yeah, original got, ones were. I got news for you about modern animation. Yeah. For kids. It's kind of crappy. Yeah. yeah. And it's neutered. Um, the main mode that I played in this, other than playing multiplayer, is a campaign mode. When you start out, you're playing a SpongeBob. He's trying to rescue Patrick, the starfish. He gets sucked into this vortex um, that Vlad Plasmius has set up. And ultimately, the final boss at the end of the campaign mode is Vlad. Um, how it works is, uh, as you play through it, you complete different levels by fighting against uh, mind-controlled enemies, whacking bots, etc. Um, and then you go back to that area that you saw before, which is like a hub. And in the hub, you can buy like buffs for your character. You can buy cosmetics and all this stuff, goofy stuff. And then every once in a while, there's like cinematics. But the cinematics are like what you expect from like an indie RPG where they're just like the two talking heads with text. Again, very little voice acting in this, just like the prior game. Um, but you fight the campaign. Each, each, each section of the campaign is split into several stages, and then there's a boss fight at the end of each stage. And again, in between, you purchase and equip buffs for your character that help you in the actual combat. Um, as far as multiplayer is concerned, and I'll be honest with you, the, the campaign got annoying. It ended up becoming one of these things where you kind of end up playing through the same stages over and over again with different characters, and then there'll be a, di a different boss fight at the end. So I found that it got really repetitive very quickly. As far as multiplayer is concerned, there's four-player local play. You gotta have that for a Smash Brothers clone. And there's online play. Um, I'll just be honest with you. Trying to get games online, this game just came out. There's already nobody playing it. I tried to play, like, non-ranked. I ended up fighting the same guy three times in a row. <laughs> That's crazy, dude. The same dude three times in a row. Once I moved to ranked... I guess I, a lot of the people who wanted this game are not allowed to be online yet. That could be. Yep. Once I started playing ranked, I actually got to fight multiple different people. But in non-ranked, I literally fought the same guy three times in a row. Um... 
The netcode, though, is great. Like, it's way better than Smash Brothers. Like, they have rollback netcode in this. I never saw a hitch, a stutter, anything. All my on online matches... I guess that guy had a good connection. I, maybe, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All, exactly. All my online matches were lag-free, which is a big deal for games like this because that's something Nintendo has failed to accomplish with Smash Brothers after all this freaking time. Again, don't forget, Do the rollback... online matches run better than the load screens? Yes. Because those load screens are rough. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah, it does. It, like, stutters. <laughs> well, that's when it's, like, loading stuff up or whatever. But once you actually start fighting, like, it, there's Powder Toast Man. I want you to start fighting, though. The netcode is really good. Again, don't forget, it's rollback netcode. That makes a big, big difference. Um, and aside from online multiplayer, there's um, there's also, like, a little minigame mode with two mini minigames that are terrible that you can play. Um, there's also a single player like ladder mode, like an arcade mode that you can play through. And then there's also a boss rush mode. Now let's talk about how it plays a little bit. Every character can walk, they can dash, they can perform light attacks, heavy attacks, and special attacks. Um, but then, then on character by character basis, you have um, more specific attacks, obviously. Uh, there's also double jump. Every character can double jump. They all can block. They all can grab and throw. The grabs in this game seem way OP. Like, um, I think there's even a clip here, actually, where the guy from Avatar suplexes me when I have, like, 50% damage, and it kills me instantly. So that's something to me that they're going to have to go back and start tweaking is some of the damage output for some of the moves. Even I felt like everybody's throw moves were, like, too much, honestly. You saw in that last match there, there were those two dragons that come up. So it's not all the stages, but some of the stages are interactive. Like those two dragon heads come up and you can use them, you can jump on them, but eventually they start breathing fire and it becomes a hazard that you have to navigate while you're trying to fight at the same time. Again, there's like a handful of ma of uh, of maps that are like that. Most of them are just like this, just like a static um, arena where nothing really happens. There's another one where there's like um, roller coaster cars that roll through the map. How do you like maps like that, Matt, where there's constantly stuff like flying through the map like for a game like this i don't mind like the f-zero map like, in smash brothers like, i don't like take that. these games very seriously so i don't care yeah like, more kinetic the better i i think yeah i know that that's the standard thing to eliminate luck or like but playing like like final destination only no items is like the fastest way to suck all the joy out of these games yeah. to me like i i want the randomness i want the, the weird crazy shit i don't care who wins like you know this game has that. I think they do a good job of creating chaos for sure. Mm -hmm. You know, particularly when there's four people fighting at once. But again, I really struggled to follow my character in those fights because there's just so much going on. It's like I can't keep track of where my character ends up a lot of times. Um, so you have those things that everybody does. You you can't, as I said, you can't change the controls and set them up how you want to. Um, but it does follow the same ideals as Smash Brothers with the damage percentage, and your percentage gets higher. Your chances of getting knocked off the stage is a much higher. Um, the camera mostly works, although I did have a couple examples where, like, it would just jerk to one character. Like, it would be following a character that was flying off of the stage, and that character would fly off the stage, and when it would come back to the characters that were on the stage, it did this very awkward snap, where it snapped back to the stage, and again, I had no clue where my fighter was at that point. So I have, just traditionally, I have had issues with games like this trying to follow the action, and that is also the case here. Um, the characters, if you actually can see them, they do have solid animation. Like, Ren and Stimpy, the stuff that they do is pretty crazy. Like, as far as them interacting with each other and doing their attacks, like, teaming up and stuff. But it's, they're so small, it's almost impossible to see what they're doing. And again, when you have, like, the fire effects and the smoke, the smoke effects around everything, a lot of times it's just hard to see what's actually happening. So maybe actually cleaning up some of the visuals might actually help this game a little bit. 
Um, one important difference with this game, or a couple of differences from this in Smash Brothers. One, the air dash in this is extremely versatile. In Smash Brothers, a lot of times you use your air dash just to get back to the ledge or whatever. In this, you can use it for attacks. Like, and once you get good at it, you can like literally use it to fly almost any direction in midair. And what I found was a lot of characters that have that attack where if you're in the air and you hold down an attack and it does almost like a, like a butt stomp, in this, with the dash mechanic, the way it works, you can do that all over the place, all over the arena. I found that to be very, very clever and very fun to use um, until the AI started using it against me, and I didn't think it was as much fun. Um, and then the other change from Smash Brothers, the, the most obvious change is that there's, there isn't rolling for every character like there is in Smash Brothers. There's a couple characters that do have it, but it's not default for all of them, and that takes a little bit of getting used to, um, but every character does have a throw. And as I said, some of them are OP. Um, I think that's something that they will nerf over time. Um, you're seeing the visuals. Like I feel like the in-match visuals look good. The stages look good. The characters, as I said, animate well. It runs well. The frame rates stay high. The backgrounds are a little crap. Like That's just a static image back there, and pretty much all of them are. Um, and again, I said there's, there's a lot of visual clutter that makes it hard to kind of see some of the stuff in the game. I feel like they could maybe actually cut back on some of this stuff to make it a little bit easier to read. Um, but the cinematics and the presentation, other than the in-match stuff, are abysmal. You saw like the cutscenes for the campaign. They're a joke, pretty much. Um, the, the premise for the campaign is very flimsy. Once you see the opening cutscene, the story doesn't really move forward all that much. It just kind of just stays there. Um, and so, I don't know. To me, the presentation in this, a lot of it is what I would expect from like a $25 indie game. And this game is 50 bucks. Um, so this is another game that I feel is probably a little bit overpriced and more than I would actually pay for it myself. Um, but we did get review code from the publisher for this. So we got this for free just as for full disclosure. So um, the th so here's the thing. Like, we may never get another Smash Brothers. I'm completely burnt out of Smash Brothers Ultimate. Some people may not be, but I am. I have very little interest in going back and playing that again. So I always try to give these games a fair shot to see if maybe one of them can, you know, kind of replace, fill that void, so to speak, with the Smash Brothers, new Smash Brothers games. But I have very little interest in these characters. The ones that I did know of and have an affinity for, I felt like they did a horrible job representing them and increasing that love for the characters through the game. Um, so, you know, the, the actual characters and the IPs in this aren't a big hit for me. I feel like the gameplay is probably a little bit better than I thought, but still not particularly progressive. Like, I don't, there's nothing in here that would pull somebody away from playing Smash Brothers, I guess is what I would say. Yeah, purely it's the characters. Yeah. And I don't know how much affinity the average player has for a lot of these characters. I don't even know half of them. So, uh, Nicktoons is gigantic. Is it? Gigantic. So, kids will love this. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And tweens and mm -hmm. teenagers and college age. Like, anyone. Oh. There's a whole generation that grew up with all this stuff. You know, this is... This is it's after my time. Yeah. Most of them. Um, yeah, probably the kids that would buy this, Ren and Stimpy is the last character that they'll play as. They'll be like, who the hell is Ren and Stimpy? Yeah, Ren and Stimpy, Garfield, Ninja Turtles, these are all older yeah. things. Yeah, like stuff for us, basically. Yeah, the, 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 the target audience for this, I mean, they're targeting everybody to some degree, but like, you know, I think the your core audience for this is going to be people who grew up with Avatar, Danny Phantom, Invader Zim. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of stuff. This game is available for everything, every platform under the sun. Again, it's 50 bucks. That's way too high to me. Um, I think this is also published by Game Mill, Matt. Is it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
which seems to be a recent target for us here on Game Face. They're just everywhere these days. Yeah, and usually the stories aren't good. Um, look, this game is it's passable. It's competent. And that's about the best thing I can say for it. Um, and I think your mileage will vary on this depending well, on how much you care about the idea. There was IP. a day when competent fighters came out four, time, four times a week. Yeah, you're right. And now there's like one a year, basically. Yeah. This has been a good year for fighting games, actually, though. There's been so many. And like, this isn't a bad game. There's just, it just doesn't have that spark. There's nothing special about it um, that, makes me, that can make me recommend it for you guys. Again, unless you're a huge fan of all the IP that's in the game. And then you've probably already bought it, and I'm preaching to the choir. So... <laughs> um, there's not really much else to say about it. Uh, the campaign wasn't that long, and again, it does get repetitive. You end up kind of going through the same cycle over and over, fighting different bosses. But then you can just go to the boss rush mode and fight the bosses there if you want to. And you don't have to go through the whole pain in the ass of the campaign to get to them. So, um, and the, the extra modes aren't great. Like the mini games are a joke, and I don't know. Like I just. Obviously, if you get into this, it's a fighting game. It will have a ton of staying power, and it will be a great value to me. As someone who did not care that much about the IP in this, I waned pretty quickly. So there you go. That's Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl 2. It's $50. It's available for everything. Uh, before we move on, let's take a look in chat and see if you guys have any questions. Iviz, thank you for Twitch Prime. That's awesome. Um, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, that's Iviz. <laughs> Um, Vincent says apparently the Switch version is bad. Okay, thanks for letting us know about that because I'll be honest with you, I have a feeling that might be the platform that sells the most copies of this game. Mm. Um, Clay UK Garage 1988, 88 Acid Revival. Um, he says 35 here, and while I liked Nickelodeon a lot in terms of live action shows, but for cartoons, I preferred Cartoon Network. Okay. Um, and Barry Lomax says, I agree. Anything else you guys got in here? Um, he says he would immediately be OP. He's boss. Gary the Snail. Um, I don't think Gary the Snail is in this. Is he from SpongeBob? He's SpongeBob's pet, yeah. No. The starfish is. Yeah, but, it's, but Gary is just basically like his cat. Oh, okay. Like the, it's a it's snail, his pet. snail meows. Oh, it literally reason, is his cat. <laughs> which for some reason, like that was, you always say, especially early, I'd be like, oh, Gary, and he just cuts the snail, and the, and the snail with a very exaggerated mouth animation goes, meow. And like for whatever reason, when that show first started, and I saw, like, I thought that was the funniest goddamn thing I had ever seen. Like, for some <laughs> reason, Gary meowing like cracks me up. I don't know why. Yeah. Um, he might be in there as one of his moves, or like some little quick flash of animation, or right? Something from something. I didn't see him when I played. Um, someone else. Most of the moves people. from SpongeBob seem centered on memes. Yeah. So the rainbow thing and stuff. Minority Games says he's he is also or her. It says they're a fan of Ren and Stimpy as well. What's your favorite episode of Ren and Stimpy? Hmm. I have the two best ones in my opinion are Marooned and Space Madness. Yeah, it's Space Madness. I think most people think it's Space Madness. Yeah, but I know better. When <laughs> he starts to eat the bar of soap because he thinks it's a chocolate bar. <laughs> That show is the first two seasons of that show are insane. Like I think it's I mean, literally made by people on drugs. It was. <laughs> oh, it was. And I mean, John Crick Felucci's a, a nut bar. Oh, well, that and, makes sense. Like giant alleged sex pests. Oh, and, like, I mean, it's 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 that sucks. It's from that kind of weird like Fritz the Cat. Uh, you know. Um, uh, 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 Felix Ralph, the Cat. You mean? Yeah. No, Fritz the Cat. Fritz the Cat. Ralph Bakshi. Um, the X-rated cartoon. No, I'm not familiar with that. Uh, Ralph Bakshi did, uh, you know, 
uh, Lord of the Rings, that weird thing was unfinished and nobody really knows what to make of it anymore, all the rotoscoping, um, uh, heavy traffic, a bunch of stuff like that. But he did uh, Fritz the... Famously, he did Fritz the Cat, which was an R-rated cartoon cat. Did he do the movie Heavy Metal? The one from the 80s? He was involved in that, Okay. I know that Um, one. But it's a similar kind of thing. Adult Um, cartoons. Yeah. And uh, his stuff was a little more wild, a little more racist a lot of times. Although that night he didn't intend them to be, it was just sort of of the time. Yeah. Like he uses a lot of stereotypes and, and um, tropes, caricatures that we would not use today. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, um, uh, like, he is a direct influence on Ren and Stimpy without any question. Interesting. Um, that kind of like just Tex Avery meets complete gross out meets, I can't believe they just said that. Like, yeah. that's, that's Bakshi influence for sure. I won't check him out. Um, <laughs> But you said racist, I was like, deal breaker. He, well, here's the thing. like, It's racist by today's standards, uh, maybe even by then, but also he grew up around a lot of non-white stuff and thought he was just depicting what was around him. Oh, interesting. Um, heavy Traffic in particular uh, is like that, and so was the other uh, film that was that Heavy Traffic is kind of a, I'd say kind of a, almost a remake or a refinement of, which uh, I'm not going to say the title of because it is it is racist too. Oh, um, <laughs> but uh, he's he's a fascinating entry in uh, animation history, and he was uh, he kind of broke out of a bunch of molds and was like you know weirdly got enough funding to have theatrical releases of some things that everyone thought no one would ever get released, um, and that sort of di- after the bombing of the heavy metal movie. That sort of died out, not because of him. He wasn't really hugely involved. I don't remember if he was involved in that at all. But he he basically ended with when the Lord of the Rings cartoon bombed. Gotcha. Um, and never got to make any follow ups and stuff. But that is why Saul Zantz ended up with the rights that still became a problem for New Line, almost th- twenty and a half, twenty five years later, making the live action ones. Interesting. Um, and only recently did those rights finally get sold off to Embracer. Huh. Um, who's now going to sell them? Probably. <laughs> No, <laughs> they're selling everything. Back, back, she's a fascinating character, and t- technically so is John K. John Kurt Felucci, mm-hmm. the guy who did Ren and Stimpy. Um, just, it's from a, a a part of the world of animation that is a little sleazier than not maybe surprised. Your, maybe you're used to, <laughs> and that's saying something because all one thing you will find in all, no matter how squeaky clean Disney whatever animators, one thing you will find in all of their little notebooks are all the characters they normally draw. With their boobs out, right? Every single—that's just not a question. That's hilarious. Like the animators are almost universally horny people. All right. Well, there you go. That's Nickelodeon All Star Brawl Two. I do not recommend it um, unless you're a huge fan of all the properties that are included in the roster. All right. Our final topic for today: we're going to talk about a game that was supposed to be in last week's show, and then I pushed it to this week's show because I wanted to be able to play to talk about it as well. And as it ended up, I only got to play like an hour of it, and that is the Talos Principle 2. We're tight on time here, Matt, so we got to keep it light and tight. Um, you've been played a lot more of this, so maybe you can lead this discussion. The, the way I've described it is it's a cross between The Witness and Tears of the Kingdom. Um, is that fair? Mm, no. No? Not Tears of the Kingdom. The part that I played, because you have the fans, and like, which is very much like Tears of the Kingdom, and well, then yeah, the whole game is laid out like the witness. Like, Yeah, but they're, they're, there's no freedom in how you solve the puzzle. Yeah. It's just that you're, no, you're right. f- figuring out which beam goes to which thing. Yeah. To, I would more describe it as the witness if it wasn't made by a pretentious douchebag. <laughs> um, 
and it's uh, you know it's obviously a sequel to the Talos Principle, which is a nine-year-old game. Yeah, which uh, took a while. But I, I am impressed by it in the sense that it is a massive expansion on what came before. The other, the previous one was a simulation, basically, where you solved a bunch of puzzles to prove to this thing that claimed to be God that you were worthy of being born, basically, um, and ultimately you prove that you basically it's it's a sim, it's, it's a simulation set up by the by humanity before they died off in an in a cataclysm apocalypse thing to create artificial life and the way you determine something is an artificial life or not as you run them through this thing and if they show enough creativity to succeed at it there they qualify but what actually happens is not only they show enough, do, you, do your character show enough uh, creativity to succeed you also show enough free will to not want to be part of the situation so you rebel and there's a whole thing there's a bunch of different endings but essentially you kind of rebel overthrow this ai god and are born as a real robot in the real world um the first of of what turns out to be many because this this game takes place uh centuries if not thousands of years later and the first uh, the character you played in the first game is known as the founder and she created 12 more robots like her called the first companions and at some point left to go do something, nobody really knows what or why, but left instructions uh, called the goal, create a thousand people. And you in this game are the thousandth, the, the thousandth robot. They call okay. you, they call you one K. Okay. And everybody else is around. So you get, you come out and they're like, oh, it's, it's achievement day or, or, or completion day, I think. And then... This is this is the ceremony for you know they've created you either the thousandth robot awesome, and then a giant um, nanotech simulation ghost of uh, of um, Prometheus appears the Greek god Prometheus appears and says basically uh, come to this island over here because I got something for you and. So all the robots are like, I guess we should do that. So, but, but like, basically, and before you do that, you kind of get to walk around the city and learn some things. So basically, there's a whole city here called New Jerusalem, and they have a political system, and there's a mayor, and there's a well, it's an angry robot who like, you know, fixes everything, and she's just sick of all their shit. And there's like a coward robot and a super explorer robot who's best friends with the coward robot who doesn't want to explore anything, but they go do everything together anyway. Uh, they all have names from ancient philosophers or like authors or whatever. Uh, the lower the number, the older the robot. So like some of these robots, like the leader of your expedition is number seven, Byron, and he is OG. like a thousand years old. <laughs> He's, like an he's OG, been around yeah. forever. Yeah. Um, and you turn out to be really good at solving puzzles. Yeah. Um, and so when you, so what happens at first, you, you get a chance to look around the city, which is fascinating. There's a bunch of weird little things to see. There's a big uh, memorial for cats <laughs> because in the... As when she came out of the uh, the simulation in the end of the first game, she find, uh, the, the, your, your character finds a cat that she names Milton, which is the name of the text parser that helped her break out of her free will cycle. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a there's a place in this called Milton's Rest, which is basically a memorial for that cat because they explain that by the time the robots came out into the world, um, humanity had been gone for maybe hundreds of thousands of years, and. Um, dogs had become wild again, mm -hmm. but cats never really were changed by domestication, so they're still just cats. Right. <laughs> so all the robots have cats. Well, like a, a lot of the robots in this game have are very focused on the idea of making sure their cats never die, 
which I can very much get behind. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, okay, I like I like all these people. <laughs> um, and so you can look people. around the city. You can look around. They call themselves people. They do. They are, yeah. they are, they are people. I mean, there's no real di- di- difference at this point. They yeah. Are, they are sentient creatures. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they go to this other. So basically, you can look around the city, and then you can find all this stuff, which is fun to look at. I will say that the the Milton's Rest place actually has a bunch of memorials for what are clearly the developers cats they've had over the years and some of them are absolutely heartbreaking oh. like there's like a, each one has a little their name a little couple sentences about them one of them has one that just says at the it's like about who they are but then the the last sentence is says i miss you and i'm sorry i couldn't find you again <laughs> oh god and i'm just like oh my god <laughs> i was i did not play i played this game to shoot lasers into puzzles i did not expect to be attacked this way yeah. people um i had to step away for a while after that but yeah. Um, so there's real, I will say there's real heart in this game. In yeah. That regard. Um, it wears a lot of things on its sleeve. You maybe don't expect from a puzzle solving game about robots. So you, <laughs> so you get with the, the, your kind of core crew of four of the robots, you take a VTOL over to this Island and the Island is basically the game. Like mm-hmm. you go in, you find this giant monolithic mega structure, which is like a giant pyramid. And it becomes very clear that there's three areas on each side of the pyramid that you have to shoot, solve all the puzzles in each area, activates a laser beam that shoots into the pyramid, solve three lasers for, uh, in that area. It opens a door in the pyramid. You fly in the pyramid, solve puzzles in the pyramid, which lets you get out one another side of the pyramid that then you have to solve those three puzzles to open that side of the pyramid. To go. So basically that's the progression. It's a chain. basically, And every different area has a new uh, item, a new item that has a. So you, the one thing I will say, if you have, so the game doesn't continue on like what I played, where you're like collecting these puzzle pieces, you use it to unlock the doors, and then you go in. Where no, that is the first game. That's that oh, is a okay. recreation of how the first game works. Gotcha. Um, this one is is more freeform. Uh, one thing I will say is the interesting thing about this part here. This is still a simulation. This is the simulation that's basically proving you're tangible enough to be born. I'll say this. And I felt pretty good solving some of these. Yeah, well, there's the thing. <laughs> this section uses all the puzzle elements from the first game without explaining almost any of them to you. So you've got to hit the ground running. The puzzles in the, in the, on, the, on the island use all of this plus a one new thing each area okay that's and, what i was gonna ask is how does it expand ultimately yeah like the first thing you run into is a, i think it's a an rgb connector mm-hmm. so if you you have to you project two different colored beams into it it'll project that color back, oh. another color back out so like and they are mixing they, colors you're not really mixing colors correctly but it's like, like it, there's three colors there's red green and blue basically and you put two colors into the RBG changer, and it will spit the third color out. Okay. So if you put a red and a blue into it, it'll purple. spit green out. Wait, red and blue should be... There's no purple light, though. Oh, it's just, gotcha. It just spits the one out that isn't hitting it. Gotcha. So, so green and blue make red. Oh, okay. Green and red make It's blue. whatever's missing. It's whatever... Oh, I three that's mi- one, okay. The one that's missing. And then there's the later on, you know, the next one I think is... Um, this is why I compared it to Tears of the Kingdom, because you have, like, the fan puzzles and, like... Yeah, it's much more stringent than yeah. anything. You're not building anything. Yeah. Uh, in fact, the the ability to disassemble the fan is purely so you can use the fan to weight things down in other places. Yeah, I mean, they, you use it for that in this as well. And yeah. um, the uh, and like the second, I think the second item you get is like a it's a driller that lets you drill through particular walls to make a hole. So I saw make, that in the trailer. Actually. Yeah, there's yeah. one that's like um, it changes the gravity of things, so things either slide up the wall or down the wall. There's, and do they work those? Like consistently, like yeah, each new element, do you actually get yeah. to use them like extensively, or do each, they? When it's introduced, you you have several puzzles that just teach you how it uses. They use that, and then you have several puzzles that combine them with all the other things you've Deep already work. had. The Zelda basically yeah. building, of and then skills. in the next one, you'll have the same. You'll get introduced to the new thing, 
um, which is like uh, there's one that's like uh, it's it it it's a reversal thing. So mm-hmm. it's like uh, in that area, it's only blue and red, and a hit with a blue turns it to red. Hit it with a red turns it to blue. That so you have to figure that out. But it's also you have to mix. Sometimes like okay, there's no red, but you need a red to open this thing. So you, here's a green and a blue light source. So you have to shoot those over here and around here and hit this with both of those, so it spits out red. And then you have to take uh, that and, t- and turn it blue with this change. So it, it gets very complicated as you move forward. I mean, I'll just be honest with you. Does it get a lot more difficult than what I played? Oh yeah. Oh my. I oh, mean, yeah. <laughs> it's already. I mean, what I played was plenty hard enough. No, there's things where you're like, I don't even know where to begin with this. Um, and you'll figure it out. Like there is a logical progression to it. There has not been a puzzle that I didn't figure out. Okay. Uh, there Without was going one... online and looking for help. No, there was one where I got the achievement for taking twenty minutes to solve a puzzle. <laughs> um, well, at least you didn't give up and cheat. But like it's, and also uh, you can get around that stuff with the Promethean, uh, the Promethean something, Promethean fires something. I can't remember what the actual word is. But there are these little flames you can collect mm-hmm. in the environment. There's two in each area. And there's a little panel on the in the on the island, not in the area you're in here, but on the island there's a little panel with a hand on it in every puzzle. If you take a Promethean flame, or whatever they're called Promethean souls, I don't remember. You put it in there and it solves the puzzle. It doesn't make the puzzle fix solve itself, but it counts the puzzle as solved. Mm. So because you need to solve eight puzzles to open the, the tower that shoots the laser that opens the pyramid. Mm-hmm. So you lose your Promethean flame, but it counts the puzzle as solved. Later, if you come... And there's a finite number of them in the game. There's 24 in the game, I think, total. If you come back later and actually solve the puzzle, you get that flame back. Oh, okay. So that's how it stops you from basically hitting a wall because you can't figure out enough puzzles to progress the story, is you can find these flames Smart. and basically use them as like stopgap almost cheats to get past something and come back to it later and solve it smart design when you can get your head around it better yeah so this game is 30 bucks how much time have you spent with this so far i have played this for about 10 hours okay do you feel Uh, like you're getting near the end not about halfway through wow i'd say say it's about a 17 to 20 hour thing longer if you want to get all the options they don't make them like that anymore it's a lot i mean they (laughs) <laughs> took them nine years to make it. They got uh, crap, man. And it's, That's a twenty-hour puzzle game. And the and the other thing is like it's a, it's fully voiced. Uh, you talk to these other characters all the time. There's all these you know dialogue choices which matter in terms of what ending you get, mm-hmm. um, and how people like you and who you're depict. Who, you know you're new. You're literally just born, so you get to kind of decide what kind of character you are. And like there's a social media thing where you have a little like kind of like phone that like because you're often doing this this expedition but you're all all of you are streaming what you see through your eyes back home to new jerusalem oh and so everyone back home is watching this and like posting about it and sometimes they'll ask you questions and you can choose how to respond to them or if you want to respond at all yeah there's like personality tests you take from this one guy who wants to like hook you up with these other characters that like you can meet like and he's like, oh, keep it quiet so you don't know. And so like, there's and there's like like there's an undercurrent of like people that want to like depose the mayor, and you got to decide whether you want to be part wow. of that or not. Um, it's all and all the characters are very different. They're all you know they all have different personalities, and like you get to know them pretty well. Um, there's like one guy you run into in the city who talks like Michelangelo from Ninja Turtles. He, he's got like a surfer dude thing. Uh-huh. He's, like, he's like, I put in this. He's a bro- robot though. Yeah, he's a robot. They all they're all the same <laughs> robot, different colors. And he's just like, it's like I put a different. Uh, 
vocal packing because it said it would make me unique, but I don't know if this is working, dude. <laughs> and, it's like, and you can tell him whether you think he should stick with it or pick another. Yeah, another yeah. like Because everyone has a different voice, different accent. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a lot. It's it's it. Rem- you know, actually, what it reminds me the most of is Mist. Yeah, I get that it, vibe uh, too. Like the flying in section, well, yeah, yeah, on the, on the total, rails, total and mist, mist yeah. and riven, and that kind of yeah. thing, and like mm-hmm. how you get there, and it's this ancient thing, and you're yep. trying to figure out the tech. And I got why that it vibe works, too. And yeah, you're, what's really driving you forward is not just solving the puzzles, but to see what happens next. Yeah, um, there's a lot of that to this, which is very different from the first Talos principle. Like, the story was compelling in that, but the the puzzles were it was a little more self-contained, a little more folded in. This the scope of this feels way beyond the first one, which is like. Something a lot, of, not a lot of games accomplish with a sequel in general, let alone a puzzle game. Yeah, I'm about surprised. philosophical ideas centered on robots. Yeah, like it's. I'm surprised this didn't end up on Game Pass or PlayStation Plus. Seems it probably like it, should have. It, would, it may it would, be eventually. It does. It would be a smart buy on that. Yeah, um, but I, I think this is really good for thirty bucks. Like this is. I mean, this is definitely puzzle game of the of the year material here. Oh so yeah, I mean, for thirty dollars and a twenty hour game. I mean, like that's, if you like Portal or Mist or any of those old school puzzle game, like you know Riven, uh, that kind of you know back when they used to make those all the time. Yeah. Um, this will this will scratch that itch, and it's all very smartly designed. Um, one thing I will say that I like in this is um, one of the things in the Talos Principle One was that every single element you ran into was always used. Mm-hmm. This game has red herrings in it. Oh, there's things that you don't need to have to have. Every, basically, in the first game, as I recall, there was never a puzzle where everything wasn't activated. Mm-hmm. Once you, like solving the puzzle meant activating everything in the puzzle. right, right. In this Sometimes one, there's doors you don't need to activate. There, yeah. I mean, maybe you do to like get to where to get an item you need to take out and then use it somewhere else. But there are puzzles where like some of the door locks or whatever don't need to be activated to solve the puzzle. Oh, and in that the, could and be in the, in the final state when you go <laughs> activate the final console for that puzzle. Yeah, which I thought was a very interesting twist. That's like, a curveball for sure. At a certain point, when I was like. I realized I had solved the puzzle, and I was like, "That I, I did. did. That I did look up because I solved the puzzle, and I didn't have one of the blue lock things activated." I'm like, "Is that spo- like that's right?" That's a- and I looked up, "Is that the solution?" Because like something maybe there's like a weird thing, or I broke something, or there's yeah. a bug. No, that's the that's the recommended solution. So so now there's things where you don't need to, act- and that's a that's a big change if you yeah. played the first game. Although the first game was nine years ago, so maybe you won't. won't. <laughs> I played it more recently than that, so yeah. maybe that won't won't really throw you as much as it did for me. Um, but that's a, this is a thumbs up for you, right? Yeah, really good. Very pretty. Like yeah, it, you can a, see in the bureau. Be- beautiful yeah. game. Really nice vistas and, and areas to explore. Um, each each location is a fairly kind of open area with like a little map. You can go go wander around and find the different puzzles, which they direct you to very very easily. It's it's you don't get lost really unless you're looking for hidden stuff. And uh, the only the only uh, criticism I really have is that uh, the first time I loaded it up, uh, I was on I think the second or third puzzle before this happens, the tutorial part. And it crashed so hard, my PC reset, <laughs> which I have not seen my new PC do before that. Yeah. So they seem to have fixed whatever that is in uh, with a with a patch. I haven't had any problems with that since. But um, yeah, so that was that was my only issue, really. That's pretty oh, damn and there good. was a, there was a weird HDR problem that also seems to be fixed in the, in the first patch. Okay, um, but otherwise, uh, this is. This is excellent. Yeah. This is really I'm, good. I'm going to play more of it, for sure. I, I wanted to play more before we talked about it today. I just had to play these other games. I didn't have time. So, um, 
maybe for game of the year discussion i'll play some more because it certainly looks like it's in line for puzzle game of the year Mm -hmm. so we'll definitely look into it as we get closer to that but that's a thumbs up from matt and game face for the talus principle too all right that's pretty much going to do it for today's episode as you guys can see by the clock yeah top they're like matt's top of the line pc crash that's crazy that just shows you it was a bad bug um unfortunately we're not gonna have any time for q a or name that game today but before we go we do have an important word from our sponsor soundwizardry.com experience the realm of extraordinary audio with sound wizardry with a decade-long journey in sound design we animate your movies and video games with the breath of sound our wide-ranging services include sound design foley sound mixing and mastering audio implementation dialogue mastering and the crafting of unique sound effects from freshly recorded material our portfolio contains Baldur's gate 3 steven universe alan way 2 gwent cyberpunk 2077 and more Visit soundwizardry.com and let us transmute your vision into an auditory marvel. As always, a big thanks to soundwizardry.com. If you have any sound needs at all, they can do everything. Like, for example, we've had episodes of Game Face where there's like static in the background, and he's removed the static and fixed and saved episodes of Game Face. He's done the same thing for Pactor Factor. He can do stuff like that. He can also create audio for some of the biggest games in the industry. Again, head to soundwizardry.com and hook them up, and they'll hook you up. Um, with that, it's time for us to go. But before we go, I just want to say um, that we are supported 100% by those generous people who pledge at patreon.com slash sifted. I'm sure if you see on YouTube, you see our views there. That's not that's not paying the bills, obviously. Uh, so if you really want to support us and make sure that Game Face and Pactor Factor and all the other stuff we do keeps happening, head to patreon.com slash sifted and give us a pledge. $4 a month gets you all our content early. $2 a month gets you Pactor Factor early. Just $2 a month, you get Pactor Factor a week early. But at $4, you get everything early, and you really get a break with us. Uh, Pactor Factor is a week early if you're a patron. Game Face is four days early if you're a patron. Uh, so there's a lot of value in pledging for us our Patreon at patreon.com. We'd really appreciate it. And if you don't have any money, totally get it. You can still help us by reviewing the show on any of the podcast services where you're listening to it, or if you're watching the show on YouTube, you can help us out with Twitch Prime. The instructions to do that are down below, but basically, if you're an Amazon Prime subscriber, you can give us a free $2.50 every month. It costs you nothing. Amazon pays for it. Stick it to the man. Seriously, stick it to the man. Make Amazon pay us $2.50 a month. Do it. Um, it'll help us. It'll help your soul by sticking it to the man. So uh, another awesome episode, as always. Thanks to everybody in our chat. You guys are great. As I say, you always fact check us. Cinetyke is dropping tier one subs at, at, at the last moment here. That is flipping awesome. Thanks to everybody in our chat. Thanks to everybody who gave us Twitch Prime in the chat. I apologize if I missed any and to get to call you guys out by name. Uh, but we'll be back next week with another episode full of game reviews. Super Mario RPG for Switch will be in next week's show. We got a bunch of good stuff coming in. Also, Invincible, I think, we'll be talking about in next week's show as well. Yeah, the Invincible. The Invincible. For all, for all you Stanislaw Lem fans. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so you guys have a great week. I hope you guys have an awesome week full of awesome games. We'll see you next Tuesday. Game Face is up and out.